Hey Who fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 183. Yeah! Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't like the colour. Howdy, howdy, do you who fans? Welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. Hope you've had a cracking week and that you've managed to do something, something. Doctor, Doctor Who, who related. related. <laughs> yes, welcome aboard. Some light news again, some really cool bit of news dropped in. Mm, but still not a lot in volume cool bit of merch as well so we've got only one piece each but they're very cool very very cool oh yes expensive (laughs) but cool and uh and then we're on to our review of mr pertwee's the time monster Not That's the Time been, uh, Warrior that I got. No, not the Time Warrior. In error last night on Twitter. But, uh, <laughs> I only saw that this morning as well. I was like, "What? What? Oh, right. easily done though." Every time I've gone to sort of put it into the search engine, I've been like, "The Time, which is it? Monster, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> it's, easy it's a bit like Sea to Doom, Sea to Death. All I can never remember which is which. You know, Death is the Ice Warrior, isn't it? Yes. Is it Seeds of Doom? See, even now I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, Sea to Death is yeah. the Ice Warrior, and yeah. Doom is the." The, crinoid yeah yeah. The, yeah with the guy in the posh suit yeah, yeah. that's right yeah so it's easily done it is yes got some great feedback last week for the sarah jane review oh good which is all good yeah sort of confirmed that we should be doing that stuff which is good yeah yeah i'm pleased about that because it's you know whenever you take a you try something new you're never sure how, how well it's going to go down and stuff so i'm glad i'm glad that that was enjoyed by the listeners, yeah. Yeah, yeah, It's all good. So we're in week two of the new sketch. Mm. So that's classic who. And then Torchwood next week. Yeah, that's it. Looking forward to that. Somebody did ask as well, and I don't know if we I don't know if we mentioned it or not, but somebody asked you, didn't they, on the Facebook page if um if we were going to be doing a randomly, like we do the dot two episodes or, or in order. And we decided to do Sarah Jane and Torchwood in, in order that they were shown, because there is a sort of flow to the both series, I think. Um, and it just made more sense. And plus we can't remember a lot of it and haven't seen a lot of the Sarah Jane. So it just made more sense to do those, those ones in order. I think we, we agreed, didn't we? So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's nicer flow. as well, actually. Yeah. yeah, they do flow, yeah. Because it would have been really random to have done like an episode from Series 3 of Torchwood, which is like one big story, <laughs> and then and then gone back to like, you know, so for Series 1, it just it wouldn't have worked, I don't think. So, so yeah, so we can enjoy it all together from the beginning. Isn't that nice? 
with a bit of random who in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of randomness thrown into... Yeah, yeah you've got to have a bit of random. Yeah. So it's like organised chaos. Yes. Which is the perfect description of me and you, really, the organised chaos. It sums us up perfectly. <laughs> it does, yeah. Our lives are that in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of lives, what have you been up to, my good friend? Oh, I had, a, had an absolutely cracking uh, weekend last weekend, and I managed to do quite a lot of Doctor Who slash Torchwood-related stuff, actually. So um, I met with some friends um, in London, and we, we started off at the London Film Fair, which... Ever since Showmasters took over it, bizarrely, the guests have really gone down in quality. Like they used to get some, they've always had quite random, obscure guests, but mm. they used to always have a few big names as well. So they've had Tom Baker, you know, and they've had Peter Davis, they've had all, all, you know, all the doctors over the years, pretty much, and you know, quite recently, and George Cole, and you know, big, big names. Um, but then Showmasters took over the last three or four events, and they they now own it, or whatever. And yeah, it's bizarre because. I like going there because it's in this sort of this sort of musty old hole in Westminster, but it's a nice venue and it's normally quite relaxed. So, you know, I like going to these events, but yeah, I haven't gone to the last few because I haven't heard of anybody on the list. I mean, I'll give an example. One of the guests on this one just gone was somebody who appeared for like three seconds in a James Bond and she was like a cashier at a desk. And the only picture they could find was a screen grab of her behind the cashier's desk. And I was like, <laughs> who on earth wants to meet her? You know, it's, so it's, it's a bit random. But anyway, they had, um, we were going to start there because they had Christopher Benjamin, you know, who obviously was in Talents of Wing Chang and mm. all that. So my friend wanted to meet him. And now I've met him before. So that, you know, I was like, oh yeah, he's really nice. Um, and they had uh, Murray Melvin, who played Billis in Torchwood, yeah. the evil mm-hmm. Billis. Now, I like Tortured and I, I, I liked his character, but the, the reason I really wanted to meet him was because I used to work in HMV on Oxford Street in London and he used to come in quite a lot and he was the nicest man. He's such a nice man. He used to come in and buy all this obscure classical music. So I used to chat to him quite a bit, but being a fan, I would always wanted to say, oh, can I get a quick picture? Which he would have been fine with, but you weren't, you know, st- you know, the, the sort of management wouldn't be like, you know, you just didn't do it. You weren't allowed. Because we used to get a lot of celebrities come into that particular store. <laughs> um, but, you know, you can't, as a staff member, you can't go up and say, oh, can I get a quick selfie with you, mate? You know, it's just not done. So, so I kind of just wanted to tick that box and I thought oh, it'd be really nice to see him again and I'll have something to chat to him about because I don't know about you, mate, but I can never think what to say to celebrities when I meet him at signing. So I normally kind of shuffle up, uh-huh. get something signed, moved on, but I thought I can have a good old chat with him. And it was, it was exactly what I'd sort of pictured in my head on the way there right now. I met him. I said, oh, you used to come into H&V and oh, yes. And, I said, and he said, oh, whatever happened to you? And like, we both can remember his name. And I was like, oh, yeah, he was brilliant. He knew all that stuff, didn't he? And we had a really nice chat. And then I was like, can I get a, a table picture of you? Is that all right? He's like, of course you can. And he's, he's just such a lovely man. So he lent in to do it. And then this grumpy old woman next is like, no, no, Mr. Murray Melvin isn't doing table photos. I was like, oh, right. And he sort of looked at me as if, oh, sorry. I said, don't worry. I said, I'm getting a professional one with you in a minute anyway. I just, I always like to have one on my phone. You know, I just feel like I'm getting more for my money. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, I'll see you at the photo booth. Don't worry. So I got a great picture of him at the photo booth. Uh, So that was a really nice experience. He was the only person I met there because, as I said, I didn't really know anybody else um, on the list. Then we moved on to, well, we went up to FP, obviously. You know, we thought we've got to go to FP. 
Uh, bought a couple of those new little Titan figures that everyone hates, the Cowie collection. I don't know if you've seen these. Oh, yeah. yeah. They look like your idea of hell. I kept thinking, I bet Gary hates these. Yeah, I'm not a fan of those. No, no I didn't think right. you would be. I bought bought three. I just wanted to see what they looked like. And um, yeah, I actually, I actually really like them. But you know what? I like my Titan stuff. So we walked past the fake Downing Street location. Do you remember me and you went there? The street near the oh, yeah. Strand in yep. London, which was used as as uh, Downing Street in the episode what is it aliens of london oh, yeah. world war three walk past mm-hmm. there um then we one of our friends was going to meet um a friend of his that had been to see pearl mackey in a play mm-hmm. and uh, he's a guy I, I know as well so after fp we went and met him and i thought oh that's cool because you know i'll say hello to pearl that'd be excellent really nice you know not, nice thing for the day um she just wasn't in a very good mood, I'm afraid. Oh, no. She came out. She came, To be fair to her, she came out and she signed and posted her pictures and stuff. But she just didn't seem like, you know, when I met Pearl a couple of years ago, just after she was cast as, as Bill, mm-hmm. it was a lovely experience. I walked away saying, oh, she's really nice. And mm-hmm. she took time and she seemed really chatty. So, yeah, it's a very different experience this time. And I, I, as I said to you before we start recording, I get it. She's probably fed up of coming out to a load of people that haven't seen the play, that want autographs and stuff. But, you know, yeah, she just seemed a bit agitated and quite snappy and, and stuff. She had to go at this poor old lady next to me for taking her picture without asking and stuff. And she grumbled at me because, oh, another one that hasn't seen the play and asked her a picture and she tutted. And I was thinking, oh, no, this is like, this is ruining my first experience. You know, I should have just left it at that. But anyway, I got picked with her and I got a scribbled autograph and I was sort of happy. It just didn't, it sort of took the edge off, you know, the fact that she was a bit... But had a bit of attitude is, is the best way I can describe it. But, you know, probably tired. She's, it was a matinee performance. So, you know, we all have off days. I'm not going to hold it against her. Um, so that was that. And then we finished off the day by going to one of my favorite locations, the, the Shad Thames, where they filmed Resurrection of the Daleks. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the Peter Davison story. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it there because, A, it's all cleaned up and it looks nice, but they've kept the character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, B it's all bars and restaurants. So I'm like, ah, oh, a bar, you know, I like a pint. So, you know, I was kind of in heaven, just sat there with a pint of, of uh, lager looking out, at, you know, at um, Tower Bridge, isn't it? Everyone calls it London Bridge. It's Tower Bridge, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Um, looking out and thinking, you know, that's where the TARDIS landed. I'm right there. And we finished it all off. <laughs> and it was um, our good friend Callum. It was his 18th birthday. So cool. he was finally allowed a legal drink. And he was there. And, you know, and I was with a few other Doctor Who fans, you know, Adam, Ultimate Whovian, um, my good friend Will. So it was just the perfect end to the evening as well, you know, just to be on that location. I was I was kind of in heaven. We, none of us wanted us to leave as well because... You know, we all had to get to sort of different destinations after. And we were all like, oh, gosh, you know, another five minutes and I better go. None <laughs> yeah. of us wanted to leave. We were all just like so happy there and stuff. So that, that was just an absolutely wicked weekend. It's funny, though, you're talking about the getting names of episodes wrong. All the way there, we were like, Revelation of the Daleks location. No, no, not Revelation. <laughs> Remembrance. No, 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 not Remembrance. Re- resurrection. And we were all like, you know, all the way there, we were getting the name of the episode wrong. So... You know, it is easily done. It's very easily done. <laughs> we do easy. it every episode. I know. So that so that was me, mate. So I had a, yeah, I had a cracking cracking weekend actually. Really, really enjoyed it. Cool, yeah. man. Cool. Yeah, I'm still on a bit of a buzz from it. Actually, I'm still sort of keep looking at the pictures. Yeah, I just desperately want to go back to that location. I love it down there. It is cool. So, it's so cool. Yeah. yeah, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that's me. What have you been up to? Yeah, I've been up uh, a couple of little things. Nothing major, really. Um, 
we got the uh, the collection of the new Target books delivered. Oh yeah, last week, which is good. So thank you very much to BBC Books for those. I'm about a third of the way through Rose, the Russell T Davies. Oh, cool uh, story, and it's very very good. I've been seeing a lot cool. of um, you know, a lot of this on you know social media about um, people that have read the books, and there's like little changes in it. Like uh-huh. Russell's put a lot of backstory. I hear uh-huh. he's given um, your favourite Clive yes. a, a lot more backstory, which I bet you're thrilled yeah. about because you've you've always said, haven't you? The perfect spin-off would be Clive from that episode. Yes. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, it gets gunned down at the end of it, doesn't he? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I reckon there's so much uh, content in his backstory Mm. because he's dedicated a lot of his life to researching and investigating who the doctor is yeah and in his is his garage or his shed one of the two or the basement you know where he's got all of his stuff all the pictures yeah yeah there's like thousands of documents and photos and everything and you can tell he's a real sort of fanatic almost about it so i reckon that's like the perfect big finish it's a bin-off show right there like the adventures of clive and you know, he could have like these near misses with the doctor as he's trying to find him and investigating stuff. A bit like a, you know, like Sarah Jane's like stuck here. Well, not stuck here, but she's here on Earth and she's doing her own thing, like journalistic reporting yeah. sort of thing. He's almost got that type of vibe about him, you know, where he's got this sort of life obsession where he's trying to find out who the doctor is and it sort of takes him on various sort of little events. So, yeah, I, I think he's a great character and Russell does flesh him out a little bit in the mm. story, which is brilliant. Um, yeah, so I, I, yeah, I've seen him actually. I thought of you the other day because he's he's in a it's, it, in fact, it's just finished. It was like a 10 episode daytime TV series called Shakespeare and Hathaway, and he stars oh, in right, that. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. you've watched Eddie, I've heard I of it. Gonna, yeah, it's worth yeah, I loved it actually. It was so easy watching. Do you know what I mean? It was just one of those programs you could put on and drift away for an hour, and he's like the lead in it. And I thought of you because I was thinking, oh, it's it's Clive. Mm. It's um The actor's name is Mark Benton, isn't it? That's it, um, yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's good in it. So you should watch that if you like him because he's really good in it. But you should paint on that spin-off because one day it'll happen and you'll be sat there and you won't be getting any royalties. That's you'll true. be like, oh, that's yeah. my idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he stars with someone that was in Who. Um, she was in EastEnders. Who was the woman that was? Because she was oh, in that Eccleston yes. story. Yeah, the yeah, long yeah. Game. yeah. Ah, Joe. I do you know. I couldn't place her at all. That's who it is. Yeah, yes. she was in the long game. I think. Yes, she was. She was yeah, one I of the contestants. Yeah, she gets killed by a Dalek at the end. You know, is the one. Yeah, it's um the one that is it Linda with a Y. That, uh, is it her? No. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, yeah. It, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. you know, I kept thinking I recognised her, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't place her. Yeah, see, our memory's not that bad all the time. Yeah, Linda. Yeah, Linda with a white. Oh, blimey, didn't even realise. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's really good in it as well. Okay, I'll check it out. It, <laughs> yeah, I did do, mate. It. It's very yeah. easy watching. It's not, you know, it's not. Um, it's not to quote. It's not a Shakespeare script. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but it's a fun script. I've really enjoyed that series. I hope they do some more. Oh, um, cool. So yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to hit, you know reading these books because I've. I know that the moth has outdone himself again by mm. adding in a load of. He's made a load of changes, hasn't he? Of, oh. he said that the first Doctor's color blind or something, and that's why everything's black and white in the black and white era. I mean, come on, Stephen, you don't need to go to these lengths. Just write a good story. You don't yeah. have to. You don't have to fill in all the gaps, mate. You don't have to like explain. You certainly don't have to ex- explain why the first Doctor's in black and white. I mean, of course come not. on. No. It makes that makes no sense at all. But apparently that's, I think, 
I haven't read this. I'm only going what I've seen on social media, but I think that's what's happened, isn't it? He's he's put something in, has, uh, yeah. which is the one that he's written. That uh, is twice upon a time. Twice upon a time, right? Yeah. So he's put something in there about why the why the first. No, it isn't. No, two, it isn't. Sorry. No. The day of the Doctor. Sorry. Oh, of course, yeah. day of yeah. the Doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he's put something in there. It's, it's not very big. I think it's only like a a little throwaway thing. But yeah, it's put people's backs up a little bit. Yeah. Um, he just doesn't know when to leave things alone, does it's he? Just just, like, yeah, <laughs> just his imagination goes wild. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm about a third of the way through Rose. And I'll tell you what, mate, the way that Russell writes books is like mm. you're watching a TV show. It's like yeah. you're watching an episode of Doctor Who. Like the way he writes it, it's... um. Yeah, it just flows really nicely. Like literally, an hour went past, and I was like, like, like "Cracky, I've read, you know, quite a, you know a few chapters in, and it, mm. you didn't even know." It's like sometimes when you, anyone that's read a book that's a bit of a chore, you know, it's a bit slow going. You think, "Oh, Cracky, yeah. come on, let's get on with it." But no, literally from the first page, it's you know, bosh, you're into it, and it's very, very good. I can imagine, mate. In fact, there's a, they're doing a mega book signing at Forbidden Planet London on. Friday. So if you listen to this week, podcast, yeah, yeah. So if it's if you're listening to this the podcast the day it's dropped, then get yourself to Forbidden Planet in London. Uh, it's between six and seven, I think. And Russell T Davies is there. Stephen Moffat is there. Paul Cornell's there. Jenny Corgan, Corrigan. How'd you say that? Uh, uh, all the yeah. basically all the authors are there in one room signing i mean that's going to be amazing i had um <laughs> i was going to be there 100 percent. i was like i'm not missing this not for <laughs> anything booked the day off um unfortunately my circumstances have changed and i won't be there because <laughs> i'm going to amsterdam so oh, it was man. a tough choice i actually i actually nearly turned it down as well You've changed like, where the priorities in life You've, i know come on, but i was thinking you know arc of infinity <laughs> location or to be fair the only thing that swung it, because I seriously did nearly turn it down. Right? My, my other half couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, but I'm going to Doctor Who thing that day. And it was like, yeah, but Amsterdam. I was like, I know, but um, I was like, but the thing is, I have met them before. So it's yeah. just a bit greedy. I was thinking, well, come on. If I hadn't met Russell before, I, I swear I would have just said, I'm sorry, I can't, can't come. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I can't make it. Because I would not. Have, I mean, it's going to be an amazing event, though, isn't it? So, It'll yeah. Be busy Are well. you going to go? Yeah. Are you going to go? I'm not sure. It I'm will be sure. busy. I'm sure it's going to be massively busy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I love. The, I really like the fact that FP have um, actually put on their website as well that you know they're they're pretty good with photos. Um, like when I met Russell there last year, they said um, you know to to keep things running smoothly when you come in, if you want a picture with Russell, just hand your phone to a member of staff on hand, they will take it and then move. You know, it just keeps. Uh, so they've thought about these things. There's cool. none of this. Cool. No photos. We haven't got time. No. And what they've said on this one is because of the nature of obviously having that long table of people to get individual pictures and stuff. It's just not possible. You mm. know, because you're going to be like, you're not going to be stood there with all of them. And then someone else going, you're going to be moving along. Everyone's going to be getting their books signed at the same time. So it's just not, you, know, you can't do individual shots. And FP has said, look, just we'll have a member of staff on hand. Give them your phone. We will take pictures of you meeting them. You know, it won't be one, it won't be sort of single shots, but at least you'll have a record of it. And I just think that's so good. I wish more sort of mm. companies were like that because they know fans want to get a picture with them and they've actually thought about it. And I, I just, yeah, I just think that's really cool. You know, because also it puts my mind at rest because very often when I go to these things, you know, I'm thinking, right, I need to get a photo. Am I going to be able to get a photo? Am I going to be allowed to get a photo? Mm -hmm. With them, it's black and white. Yes, 
you'll get one, but it'll be this. And I just, I like that, you know. Yeah, that's really cool, actually, because uh, it sets up your expectations as well, because... Exactly. Yeah, you know, when we've gone to, or, you know, we've, we've gone to conventions before, and we've always had this conversation on the way there, or when we've got in the venue, we're like, we, you and I, we always say the, exactly the same sentence. And that is, I wonder if... Yeah. You know, it's always a case of, oh, I wonder if we'll be able to get a pick with so-and-so. Or I wonder if he's having picks today. Or I wonder, you know. So with FP, it's like, yeah, like you said, just black and white. Like, yeah, you can have a pick. And you know what you're doing. So uh, fair play to those guys for that. Yeah, it's funny because I nearly, um, when that woman at the London Film Fair said, no, Mr. Murray is not (laughs) doing them. I nearly said, well, actually, it does say on on the showmaster site that they are table photos are allowed and i was gonna st- have a thing with it but because murray had been so polite and lovely i just didn't want to embarrass him in front of it. i didn't didn't sort of want to get into that but i the reason i'm saying that is because i know the last time um when peter davison was there they had said when if you asked him for a, a selfie after buying his book or picture the guy next to him was like no you know it's an extra 10 pounds i was like oh no you're all right thanks but then my <laughs> friends um, met him in the afternoon and sort of questioned the guy and said well it says on the website table photos are allowed so why are you saying that and they was like oh go on then and he got a selfie with him. so i i almost argued the point mm-hmm. but i just yeah i did i didn't want to embarrass poor old murray because it is embarrassing for them isn't it a little well. bit yeah yeah so oh. But yeah, it's good. That's why I like it. FP, it's clear. You know where you are. And that's going to be an amazing event if anybody's listening that can get to it. Or I'm still like slightly regret. Oh. I mean, I'm going to love Amsterdam, <laughs> obviously, but I'm still like, I'm still like a part of me is going to really wish I was there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So I hope you go, mate. I think you should try and go. I think it'll be awesome. It's, it will be busy, but it'll be worth it. Meeting, God, meeting Russell and the Moff and. It's, I bet the atmosphere in there is going to lift the roof off, to be honest. It's going to yeah. be brilliant. It'll be awesome. Yeah. yeah, I'll try and get there. Yeah, try and get along, yeah. yeah. Don't go taking your books, though. You've got to buy them there. They'll be like, wait, uh, oh, you? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you could. They'd never know. No, they'd never, they'd never know. <laughs> yeah. uh, so where were we? Yeah, the books themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've got the set, and I'm into Rose. I, I was going to start with City of Death, because that's the one of the classic ones that they've just... Mm. Uh, but no, I thought I'd start with Rose, because I was really excited for the RTD. Um, book so yeah yes, um, probably get a review up on the site at some point that'd be cool to finish those mm-hmm. uh, not much else for it. oh we've set up the um, uh, you guys might have seen on Twitter and Facebook we've now got a Discord server which is cool so any mm-hmm. of you uh, techie people or anyone that's using Discord for your gaming channels whatever so Discord anyone that doesn't know what it is that's me that's why I'm smiling because I'm like it, I saw the pictures like what is it what I'm is so it? old I don't know <laughs> Yeah, so Discord is um, like a an online chat and voice sort of thing where it's it's used primarily for like the gaming industry. So a lot of people use it for that. But That'd be why I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But it's gaining more popularity for other things. So um, there's um, there's already a few Doctor Who um, Discord servers out there, and there's um, there's lots of um servers for like popular tv shows now and films and there's one for rick and morty and lots of cool stuff um and it's all it is essentially is just a place to go out and hang out and chat doctor who so the way that i've set it up is there's various um there's various chat rooms or channels should i say uh on there there's one for um the podcast itself so every time a new episode goes out it gets put on there and there's general doctor who there's big finish conventions and stuff like that so and we've got quite a few people have joined already there's about 25 people on there 
Oh, cool. So it's very cool. So check out um, our Twitter page or the Facebook page and you'll find the link on there. And I'll also put a link, I'll, I'll add a link and a button on our website as well. So um, yeah, come over there and hang out with just uh, lots of good chat around cosplaying and conventions at the minute. Some good chat mm. around recent big finish. So, you know, the Paul McGann story that's just launched, Ravenous. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Bit of chat on there. So it's good. Good times. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So check out the Discord server. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Sounds good. Yeah. So that's all I've been up to, really. Mm. Not much else. <laughs> get yourself over to that signing. When I come back, I want to see all those books signed. <laughs> I will try and get I did plan to um to have the day free um, mm. when we first found out about it. This was like weeks and weeks ago, wasn't it? Last month or yeah. something. Um, but as it's got closer, I've realised, oh, actually, this is in the school holidays, and I think I'm uh. away with the boy at doing something on uh, that Friday. So if I'm back in time from whatever I'm doing, then of course I'll try and get over there. But yes, otherwise we'll have to rely on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but enough waffle. Should we land the TARDIS and get this news done? All right, the TARDIS. <laughs> One and only bit of news is very cool. It's brilliant. It's very yeah. good. The original script that William Hartnell was given for An Unearthly Child is up for auction on Thursday, the 3rd of May. Mm. And this looks so good. It does. This is not one of those scripts that was lying around at the time. And, you know, what this is actually, this is the one that William Hartnell had in his hands for weeks leading up to the recording of the very first episode. Mm. And it's all kind of battered and, you know, it's in good condition, don't get me wrong, but it's got like tears on it in certain pages and it's got coffee stains on it. And <laughs> um, But most importantly, it's got loads and loads of annotations and things where Hartnell himself has obviously, you know, being a brand new show and a brand new character, Hartnell himself was working through in, in his own head how he wanted to play the Doctor. So mm. as he's reading through the script, he's writing little notes here and there and he's trying to figure out, you know, how the Doctor would react to certain things and how he wants to play certain scenes and stuff. And it's just a lovely little gem of history, Doctor. So this is like the very first, um, the very first thing that he would have ever seen, I suppose, in the run-up to... Uh, because it all starts with a script, doesn't it? You know, it's the very first thing that everyone gets. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is by Anthony Coburn, obviously the the writer for Unearthly Child, and uh, interestingly, it's got the original title as well. So it's got Doctor Who and the Tribe of Gum. Mm, yeah, which is a nice little nugget, and then it's got Episode One and Unearthly Child, and it's got all of the little scribbles that Hartnell himself has has put on there, and little notes to himself and little underlines and bits. So as he's, I think as he's learning the lines or he's trying to learn the lines as best he can, he's like marking certain things and circling. It's just beautiful. It's a really lovely little. It is absolutely. I'm looking at because they've put up um, quite a few pictures of some of the pages of the little yeah. scribbles on and stuff. And it's, uh, they describe it as the Holy Grail of Doctor Who memorabilia mm. on the auction site. And I, do you know, I think it is, I think it, um, this is a beautiful piece to own. I, I mean, I'd, I'd, 
I don't know how much this is going to go for. They're they're estimating between five to seven thousand pounds, but it could, as we know with auctions, it could go for a lot more. I think I, it I, will. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be very interested to see what the final price of this is. Um, but it's uh, whoever gets it, it's a, <laughs> it is like a little something from a time capsule, isn't it? It's a real unique one-off special piece of of you know memorabilia it's uh it's quite incredible actually yeah the fact it's just the fact that hartner himself has made all these little notes and scribbles on the script i think is is just makes it even more oh, i would love it i'm just i'm just i'm just clicking through all the pictures like oh yeah beautiful love this i'll tell you what mate if i if i had the money this would be a no-brainer for <laughs> yeah. me i would absolutely throw my hat in for this yeah <laughs> if i had them i'd love to own it it's a beautiful um mm. uh uh, yeah, like a, the Holy Grail, if, uh, like you said, on the website, and it was um, it was found while they were refurbishing the the house that Hartnell lived in. Oh right, yeah. So when they were renovating that or whatever, they found it, and uh, yeah, I mean the guy that found it um, took it to the Antiques Roadshow. Uh, I think it was back in twenty sixteen or seventeen, something like that. Yeah, and um, you know, he didn't. You know, I don't think he said on the show that he had any plans to sell it or anything. I just think he wanted to get it valued, and mm. they had a nice photo of Hartnell there, and the the the, the expert, quote unquote, <laughs> was um talking through, you know, the certain elements of it, and I don't think there's any need to sort of validate its authenticity. It's definitely yeah know, the, the real deal. Um, but yeah, so now it's actually going up for for auction. So I don't know what's changed his mind, but um. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's going up on Aston's auctioneers and valuers, uh, and it's their film, music, memorabilia, and comics auction, which sounds pretty awesome in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, get, get over there if you've got the money. If you've got a couple of grand in your back pocket, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm surprised this is the first I've heard of it because I didn't realise that it already that episode had already been shown of the Antiques Roadshow with um with this on it. So oh, I don't know if that. Oh, don't know if I'll be able to find that on the iPlayer web, but I'd like to see that just to see them flicking through and hearing a bit more about the mm. backstory of how it was found and stuff. But what an awesome find. Oh, I almost like feel it. like it should. I hope whoever buys it, I don't know, I almost feel like it sort of belongs. Like if, if, for example, the Doctor Who experience was still going or comes back, I feel this belongs in somewhere like that so that everyone can enjoy it and see it. But I mean, oh, I guess it's just going to go into someone's private collection, which is, you know, it's fine, but. Yeah, I just I feel this is quite a, an important piece of of Doctor Who history. This yeah. it is very important. Yeah, yeah. So good luck to whoever gets it, and um, mm, be yes. interested. Maybe we'll keep an eye on it and come back to you and let you know how much it sells for. Yeah, be interested to know. Yeah, yeah. That's the only bit of news we've got. Mm. Should we get our metal friend in? See what the bleed Nelly's got. <laughs> yeah. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Robert Harrop. <laughs> Our good friends at Robert Harrop. At Robert Harrop. Mm. They are bringing their, their classic mm. Who monster game strong as always. I can so see this on your shelf. Oh, dude. <laughs> I can see this on everyone's shelf. Yeah. 
How would you get on getting on with your special weapons? By the way, is that back on? Oh your right, doorstep? yeah. So actually, a yeah, quick update. So um, for those of you who don't know, Robert Harrop did special weapons Dalek, beautiful piece. Gary got his. The following week, I got mine. Had a little dent in the gun. Couldn't really, you know, wasn't happy with it. Emailed them. Been brilliant. Sent me a replacement. Um, in fact, I've just got, I've just boxed up the original to send back today after we finished recording. Um, yeah, so I've got the replacement. He's gorgeous, fantastic, brilliant. But for somebody who's so indecisive like me, he is painted very differently to the original. And I have spent the oh, last God. three days looking at the two of them <laughs> going, which one's better? Because the gun is so much better on the replacement. Like the molding is mm. absolutely spot on. And technically I could swap the lids, but that means keeping the sort of, you know, I could. I think I joked about this in the last podcast, saying I bet you the top's better on the new one, but the bottom's <laughs> better on the old, which is exactly what's happened. So the one they've sent me is more battle damaged in terms of he's, you know, painted a lot darker. He's got a lot more stains on him from all okay. the oil that's stripped down. So he's probably more screen accurate, but the other one looks a lot cleaner, and I actually prefer it. So yeah. Anyway, I've decided to keep the one that's more <laughs> screen accurate, the sort of dirtier one. I think. I compared into the picture that you've got, and he's more, much more like the one you've got. So nice one. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, and they've been brilliant. Actually, they were very quick to resolve it. They didn't question it. They didn't, you know, because I was thinking, oh, am I being a bit fussy here? Are they going to tell me to, you know, go do one? But no, they were brilliant, mate. So, yeah, very happy, very happy with the special weapons. I'll post some pictures once I've uh, got a chance. Yeah, thumbs up to Robert Harrop. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, it's good to know as well because I I love ordering stuff from them, and it's the first time I've had any sort of issue. And it's good to know that they're so on the ball about sorting it out. Yeah, mm. yeah. Good. Cheers, guys. But this one, so we should tell people it is. Yeah, the mandrel. A mandrel from Nightmare of Eden, isn't it? These look cool, you know. It does look wicked. I I really like undecided about it because I'm not a massive fan of the story. <laughs> yes, yeah. and that does sometimes affect. You know, I'm thinking, well, you know, but he does look brilliant. Um, I'll tell you what, mate. For me, getting this depends on the price because right. I I yes. love it, yeah. but it's not like it's not like the special weapons where I love the story and when I saw how good it looked, I was like immediately pre-order. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So this one's going out, I think, at the end of April. Um, and then we'll find out the price for it. But that's where I am with it. I think it looks a beautiful piece. I think they've got it absolutely spot on. Um, but in terms of whether I'll buy it, it's, it's going to be down to the price. I, I would go for, I'd probably go 65 70 If it's anything above that, like the special weapons is 95 <laughs> I might have to, uh, but yeah. But it's a, it's a lovely looking piece, isn't it? It's beautiful, yeah. Yeah. And I'm kind of torn as well. I, I, yeah. Because I'm not really a huge fan of them in the story. No, exactly. You know, do you know yeah. what I mean? They don't sort of blow you away and stick in your mind as like, you know, the sort of highlight of classic Who in terms of monsters and stuff. Mm. But the figure, like you said, does look very, very good. Really yeah. detailed as always from Robert Harrop. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I'm I'm a bit torn. It would look good on the shelf, but if it's over sort of sixty quid, I might give that a miss. But if you're into mandrels, though, <laughs> then, uh, you know where to go. Yeah. Indeed. And he's limited to two hundred as well, so it's quite a low. I think yeah. special weapons was two fifty, wasn't it? He was limited yeah. to two fifty. Yeah. Um, this one's limited to two hundred. Um, 
So, and they do tend to sell out. I think special weapons is they've still got some. They have, uh, yeah. they've you know, but they are limiting their numbers now. So, yeah, if you want a mandrel on your shelf, um, I think Friday the twenty seventh is when they're putting him up for actual sale. Um, that's what they said. So, yeah. we shall see. See what the price is. I mean, in terms of um, sort of trying to couple it with similar figures, if you look at the um, the Zygon figure. Oh yes, that Robert Harrop have got, and the Silurian, mm. nineteen seventy figure. Um, both of those are around. You know, the, one of them, the Silurian's fifty quid, mm. and the Zygon's fifty nine quid. Um, and it doesn't look any. You know, it doesn't look any greater than those two in terms of mm-hmm. its size or detail, or anything. So, if it's more than that, then I'll give it a miss. But I don't know. That, that's where I expect him to be. Yeah. 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 Um, but I have noticed that loads of stuff on the Robert Harrop stuff is on. Or, <laughs> I have noticed that loads of stuff on the Robert Harrop website is now sold out. Like loads of stuff. I know. Yeah. Some really good pieces as well. Some pieces that I'm absolutely gutted that I missed out on as well. Like the Davros Genesis figure. Yes. He's really nice. A friend of mine bought him from the Who shop. Um, when we went there, and I—he's stunning, actually. The uh, the Yeti Web of Fear, lovely, yeah. Figure gutted, I missed that. Um, the uh, Alpha Centauri, Centauri, yeah. yeah. Gutted, I missed that. The Tenth uh, Planet Cyberman. So many good figures that I missed out. And fortunately, they have got a couple there that I'm still after. So uh, Sutek, still after him. He's good, yeah. And that Zygon, I'm still eyeing up that Zygon, you know. Oh, he's good. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a, a nice figure. I was going to say, actually, you have... They are great figures. I think everyone knows who listens that we absolutely love these. Um, I've got a few of them, and I've the ones I haven't got, I've seen. And I'll tell you what, we I think we have got the best one, though. The Sea Devil. Oh, the Sea Devil. You that love you've that, got. don't you? Yeah. He, but he's, oh, he's so perfect. I think he's... The Sea Devil and the Tetrap are my two favourite that they've done. Those two figures are so... Uh-huh brilliant in the detail and and the painting and everything that they've they've done on them uh, yeah so at least we've got those they're they're <laughs> they're in the bank but there are some nice ones i mean the, the davros one i wish i'd got him but yeah, yeah. and the malice don't forget the malice. Oh, your little malice yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> took me ages to get him yeah yeah, yeah. So. anyways robert harris so yeah the special weapons is still up if you want to get that and i'll tell you what that is a beautiful uh, it is a beautiful piece yeah, yes. it's a belter that one yeah. yeah, yeah, I may do a little review if I get time. It's lovely. Uh, anyways, done with news and merch. Mm-hmm. It's time to uh, cue the review. Dude, what are we doing this week? So, <laughs> Crystal's at the ready. It's the time monster. <laughs> are you ready for a very over-the-top... <laughs> are you ready for a very over-the-top, <laughs> not suited at all to the episode's trailer? Yeah, go on, yeah. He was I all ready for a nice little trip to Atlantis. Why Atlantis? The crystal of Kronos. It's only a legend, though. Are you trying to tell us that the classical gods were real? Quite so. Kronos, a living creature, was drawn into time by the priests of Atlantis, using that crystal as its center. And your friend, the professor, is trying to use that crystal to capture the Kronovol. I am the master, lord of time. I come as an emissary from the god. 
He has the very bearing of a god. There is grave danger. Danger of what, for heaven's sake? To the entire created universe. Time Eaters. The most fearsome of the lot. <laughs> Who did you see? Answer me! Kronos! Kronos! There you go. <laughs> that is a very exciting trailer. Whoever put that together did did well there. Yes. Sometimes if I can't find like the official trailer, especially for Classic Who, it's quite difficult if they haven't done a, a next time or coming soon DVD trailer. Yeah. It's quite difficult. There's this one channel that I normally go to, and it's I, I have linked it a couple of times in the show notes. It's called Veritesima UK or something like that. Mm. And, uh, and they put together these, like this is one of theirs. And they right. just put together these really sort of action-packed, over-the-top trailers for Classic Who. So, um, yeah. It's well done, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing. It's abs- the trailer, if you've not seen The Time Monster, is absolutely nothing like the story at all. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. There we go. The mm-hmm. Time Monster. It was first broadcast back in 1972, May through to June. It's a six-parter. It was written by uh, Robert Sloman. And Barry Letts. It was overseen by Terence Dix and it was directed by Paul Bernard. And it stars John Pertwee as the Doctor with Joe Grant, uh, Katie Manning, and uh, it's a master story. So we have the um, mm. the absolutely brilliant Roger Delgado. Yes. As the master. With his awesome goatee. Mm-hmm. It's pretty impressive. It is. Yeah, with those perfect little white bits. I know, yeah. So I can't tell if the rest of it's dyed and he's left those bits or if he's just naturally, naturally got those bits yeah. there, but very, very cool. Uh, so the plot for this one, um, I'm going to try my best at this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it kicks off with the master who is kind of stationed himself at this scientific, at first off it was a university, but it's like this scientific institution place where he's sort of stationed there as this professor of something. And uh, he's constructed this device which can um, sort of take control of uh, uh, time and time travel and stuff because he's trying to summon uh, Kronos, uh, which is this like ancient god creature um, that the ancient Atlanteans used to uh, sort of worship, I think. Um, But something goes wrong. Um, he sort of kind of manages to summon Kronos, but Kronos turns out to be a very bratty little um, creature that's, you know, unpredictable and can't control him. So that sort of goes to goes to beep. Um, at the same time, um, the Doctor is has constructed this very cool little device that can pick up on um, other sort of time changes in the, you know, in whatever... And they pick up, you know, another signature and they go after it and so on. Units involved. Uh, and anyway, it sort of goes on and on and on and on and on where they go to Atlantis. Uh, oh, and uh, the master um, uh, sort of beams um, in a sort of very Star Trek-esque way. Uh, this guy called Crassus from Atlantis. And the, between the two of them, after a bit of squabbling, they decide that, yes, the master's going to take control. They end up in Atlantis. They kill the king. Um, they still can't manage to, to get hold of Kronos. Um, they get thrown into the time vortex after they destroy Atlantis. 
The master and the doctor then have a bit of a one-to-one. Um, the doctor gets thrown into the time vortex, gets pulled back into the TARDIS. Um, uh, and then Kronos does appear right at the very end, but as a very nice looking lady um, who says that, yes, we, she realizes that the doctor and Joe are, you know, the goodies so they can go, but she wants to keep the master and torture him for the rest of the time. But the doctor mm. says, no, no, he's not that bad. Let him go. So he runs off. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. You did well there. Yeah. You did well. I think you covered it. Covered some of it. <laughs> yes. I think you got, yeah. I think you got the most of it in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All the action. Yeah. Hmm. So the time wants to make what, what you're feeling. <laughs> well, look, it, it does come in for quite a bashing this story. It and does. I, I get the feeling that it, it, yeah, I mean, I'll ask you in a minute, but I get the feeling that perhaps it didn't do a lot for you. I, I, I don't think it's as bad as its reputation <laughs> because I find it quite watchable. And I think a lot of that's down to Roger Delgado. He's just so good in it. I, I actually feel he carries quite a lot of this story. So I find it perfectly watchable when I hear people saying how bad it is and awful. I think, well, it, yeah, it is not the best story and it certainly loses its way. I think, especially when we get to Atlantis in episode five, I, I did find myself getting really bored by uh, in episode five. But up until that point, I was kind of enjoying it, actually. So I don't think it's great, but I also don't think it's as bad as its reputation. So I'm kind of in the middle on this one. Um, okay. As I said, I, I I was quite enjoying it, really, the first four parts. But once we get to Atlanta, um, it kind of fizzles out and it's got a really weak conclusion. Like um, like when I got when I actually got to the sort of resolution of the story, I was kind of like, is that it? Seriously? <laughs> Like it just fizzles out, um, yeah, yeah. and then we get baby Benton, <laughs> Benton in a nappy, which is just quite frankly disturbing, uh, especially as this is the last story in you know in series twelve, isn't it? A uh, series nine, sorry, series nine. So um, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of in the middle on it, mate. I, I don't think it's dreadful because I think Roger Delgado's fan, you know, fantastic in it. Um, and I was just yeah, I was kind of going with it, but it it's also not one of the best. Yeah, I think it's the way to put it. And I knew there's always there's often a scene in Classic Who where I wish we were watching these together. And <laughs> I this know one's which got, one. Yeah, yeah. Do you? <laughs> is it the scene where Kronos comes into the laboratory and it's flapping around going mad? Oh, no, no, sorry. Oh, no. Oh, because I was thinking I bet Gary's creasing up because it's literally, it's like they've obviously got him on a wire and someone's pushing him <laughs> back and forward like a swing, you know, just out of shot. And I was thinking that poor actor's bashing against the door. And I was thinking this is horrendous like it's supposed to be trapped in the you know in the lab isn't it and it's just thrashing about in there on a yeah. wire and yeah. oh i was thinking i bet gary's cracking it what's the scene you were thinking of i mean there are a few in this to be fair there's a few unintentionally comic scenes yeah i mean don't get me wrong i was absolutely cracking up yeah. at that scene but yeah. um uh, the scene that i thought i thought you would be laughing at as well is where uh the master tricks benton and sort of Throws him into the, <laughs> into oh, I did. the wall. Yeah, yeah. He, he really throws him into that um, cabinet, doesn't he? That's it. Yeah, he's yeah. like, uh, oh, my dear doctor, hits him across the back. Yeah, I did. I did have a quite a chuckle at that as well. There's a few bits like that in this that are just hilarious. But yeah, because yeah. we do like the odd backhander. <laughs> he do, he really does give him yeah. a good backhand. This one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, now I'm I'm torn with this one, mate. Right. I'm torn because 
and I want to say off the bat that I don't dislike this at all. Mm. I, I, I do think it's perfectly watchable. Yeah. But, but yeah. I'm torn because it's got everything in here that makes a great classic Who story. You know, we've got Pertwee, obviously he's a great doctor, and Joe's yeah. a great companion. We've got the master, who's and Delgado's master is he He's superb. Yeah, he's just so good to watch. Yeah. You know, he, he takes that role and he he's just perfect with it. You know what I mean? He's just brilliant. He is. He's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. yeah. We've got the big kind of um uh storyline that's quite epic in some ways. You know, we've mm-hmm. got these big um mythical things going on. We hear things mentioned like, you know, we've got Atlantis and Kronos and um there's another name that's thrown in there from mythology as well, which uh, escapes me now, but um, the minor we get the minor. Oh yeah, we get one. the minotaur as well. Yeah, and we've got unit in there as well. We've got the yeah, brigadier. Brig. We've got Benton. You know, everything's in there. We got Bessie even. Yeah, super speed Bessie as well. It's got yeah. this new. It's got this fancy switch that makes it go. Yeah, we've really got, fast. Uh, we've got Pertwee doing some quirky little things like trying to talk backwards and oh god, some yeah. really cool stuff <laughs> that Pertwee does really well, which is constructing these quirky little things out of nothing it's a bit of an 18 moment oh the wine bottle with yeah. the corks yeah that's bizarre so yeah. everything's in there mm. to make a great classic who story but it just doesn't i don't know there's just it doesn't quite take itself to that level where you think crikey that was a that's like a classic that needs to be on everybody's watch list mm. you know there's just something about it that And I can't explain it. I'm torn because all of that stuff's in there and I do think it's a good watch and I don't dislike it. But there's something in there that, well, I'm looking for something in there to make me think afterwards, you know, that was awesome. Mm. But I don't know. It's just every episode just feels like it's running at sort of 80% all the time. There isn't that one. I mean, there's a really nice scene where the doctors have like a little speech about stuff and... There's another scene where, um, you know, those those really cool scenes where the Briggs losing his temper with the Doctor and that really mm. cool banter. And like we said, the Master's brilliant, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem to get into the it's high enough gear in terms of storytelling and uh, and the writing and stuff. It just seems to always keep itself at eighty percent. And then, like you said, the ending fizzles out a little bit. It's not the best mm. ending. And then you just after episode six, you just think, oh, okay. Yeah, that was that was good. It was all right, but I probably won't watch it again now for maybe two or three years. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm torn with it, mate. I, I really want to like it a lot, and I do think it's a good watch. And I certainly don't think it deserves all of the the serious bashing that it sometimes gets. I don't think it's that bad. No. But I do think that there are much stronger Pertwee stories from his era. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's kind of where I am. I'm on the same page as you, because as I said, I found it very watchable. Um, but it just, yeah, it just falls a bit flat, doesn't it? It doesn't mm. have that. It doesn't have any wow factor about it. Um, it just seems to sort of drift along. You know, as I said, the only episode I really found myself getting bored, and this may be because I, I oh, know actually I watched it in two goes. I watched three episodes and then another three. I did so, that as well. Yeah. Yeah, so I was thinking I watched it all, all together for some reason. But the only episode where I found myself getting really bored was episode five, actually. So they they in episode five, they finally get to Atlantis. 
and there's a lot of it, a lot of talking going on and you know and it just didn't seem to go anywhere and then episode six kind of picks up a little bit because they've got to sort of resolve all the storylines and there is that lovely scene with the doctor and joe having the doctor starts talking about his childhood that's and a right. hermit that's what i mean and yeah. now that yeah. that was a lovely scene and it's completely out of nowhere mm-hmm. and i i do get the feeling um that it might have been put in there because the episode was running short i have a feeling that might be the barry let's contribution but i don't know that I'm it just, looks like it yeah it feels mm-hmm. like it because it's very much um yeah very much feels like a sort of barry let's input um so that's a lovely scene actually and i kind of really i sort of really started to drift back into the story at that point because pertwee plays it so well and bless her joe grant you know katie she's just looking adoringly at him while he's telling the story (laughs) about this hermit in the tree and the doctor's childhood and we don't you know we don't often hear the doctor sort of talk about childhood i mean i think the second doctor says something in Team of the Cybermen, uh, mm-hmm. if I remember rightly, when he's, he's talking to Victoria. So we, we often get, you know, sorry, not often, we occasionally get these little moments where the Doctor just has a, almost sort of wants to get something off his chest. He wants to share mm-hmm. something. But then we sort of get the resolution of, you know, the sort of standoff between the Master and the Doctor and the two TARDIS. And then that's it. And it just, as I said, it just felt like, oh, really? The Doctor saves the Master from Kronos, who wants to punish him. Mm-hmm. But the master just pushes him over and says, ah, ha, ha, I'm off again. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, like we saw that coming a mile off. So, yeah, but I did. I like you. Found, apart from episode five where I got a bit bored, I found it perfectly watchable. Um, and this, this story does come in for a bashing, doesn't it? it? It very often gets called, you know, one of the worst Pertwee stories, boring, bland, dreadful. And I don't think it is. I just think it's a bit, I think you summed it up perfectly, actually. It's a bit 80%. It's uh it just drifts. It drifts along. It's got some good cliffhangers. I thought the the you know the cliffhanger to episode three where um, Captain Yates is blown up in the trees. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Also, we think. Yeah. I thought well, that's really good. You know, the cliffhangers aren't bad in it. Actually, they they've all got quite a good you know enough to make you want to put mm. the next episode on. Mm. Um, and I and I looked to see what other stories are in series nine. I thought maybe it just gets a bit lost in some other good stories. But series nine for me is a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, you've got Day yeah, of the Daleks, yeah. Curse of Peladon, Sea Devils, which I think is brilliant. The Mutants, you know. Yeah. So it's a bit of a mixed bag of a series anyway. Series series nine. So yeah, but I, I agree with you. I don't I just I don't think it quite deserves the bashing, I guess, but I do get why some people might find it a bit dull. But certainly I think there are worse stories. Um I mean we haven't reviewed the mutants and I haven't watched it for <laughs> a very long time, but certainly in my memory, um that was quite dull. But I, I you know, I'll wait to review it because I, I might love it when we come to rewatch it. I really can't remember the mutants at all. But mm. so, you know, but I don't think this deserves to be rated as badly as it as it does get if you like no i don't think so you know yeah yeah so i think we're a little bit torn aren't we Mm. i mean it it was a very very difficult one for me to put a a number on well i was stuck between two i mean i'll I'll say when we get to it and i get the feeling you're the same i was i had sort of one score in my head i was like well that's no, that's too high. Yeah, yeah. But if I go down half a point, that seems a bit cruel. <laughs> so I was a bit stuck between the two. Yeah. I, I, I bet we're on the same page. Probably. The school. Yeah. Yeah, because I kept going between as well. So when episode one finished, I thought, okay, yeah. I'm, yeah. I, okay, I'll read you. And then after episodes two and three, I thought, right, I, th- I think I know where my score is going to be for this one. Mm-hmm. And then episode four, I was like, nope, nope, it's, it's gone down a bit. Episode five, and it's down a bit more. Episode six, and it's back up. So – 
yeah, it's a hard one for me to score this one. It, it gets off to a great start, though, doesn't it? All the stuff at the beginning, like in the lab and, you know, oh, yeah. the master yeah. under this disguise. He starts <laughs> off doing a slightly strange accent, but he seems to lose it quite quickly. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, when he's yeah. the, when he's pretending to be professor whatever at the beginning, he's sort of putting on a, a I don't know what the accent's meant to be, but he's sort of putting on a bit of a fake voice, a little obviously, bit. As, yeah. of the disguise, and he kind of drops that pretty quick. Um, but all that stuff's quite good, and it's quite an interesting idea of him trying to summon the Kronos and, and all that, and all the back and forth. And then, and then we get for me, I think it starts to dip really because there's all the slow motion stuff with Unit, which I thought that's really good. And then the TARDIS is suddenly on the back of a lorry, and I thought, oh, I'm liking all this, seeing the TARDIS on occasion and things being pulled out of time to fight with Unit. And I thought this is all good stuff. But it's sort of when really when the Doctor gets in the TARDIS that for me it starts to take a dip because right. first off we've got this new TARDIS set, right, that we've we've never seen before and we never see again. <laughs> and it looks awful. Oh, it's like great big washing up bowls, the washing isn't it? Up bowls that's stuck, to the, stuck to the thing. So we've got that to deal with. <laughs> um, and then it gets a bit boring, doesn't it? Because I think a lot of the episode from then on, is just in the Doctor's TARDIS and the Master's TARDIS. So it's the same set, but they switch the doors to the other side in the Master's TARDIS. They take the glass column off the TARDIS and replace it with a dustbin painted silver (laughs) with some... (laughs) with some bowls on top of it. It looks like a chocolate fountain, doesn't it? It With no chocolate. um, (laughs) So they make a few very tiny changes um, between the two sets. But I was thinking I I would normally love this because I love it when we get to go in the Doctor's TARDIS and even more so when we get to go in the Master's TARDIS. But I wasn't loving it. It just didn't, A, it didn't look very good. B, it wasn't very exciting. Um, And C, you know, the the Master's TARDIS, it didn't feel like, it wasn't redressed enough. You know, like in like Planet of Fire, the Master TARDIS is the same, but all black and, oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and it feels evil. It's an evil TARDIS. You know, this didn't feel like the Master TARDIS. It was just like, oh, they've they've just done something to the, col- you know, the con- column in the middle of the console. So mm-hmm. I found that, just found out all that stuff in the TARDIS a bit dull as well. And I was yeah. thinking, oh, this is a shame because up until this point, we had loads of action going on with Unit, but they've sort of been put in this weird time warp now where they can't move and... It, yeah, it, that's where it started to lose it for me, really. But it dragged on a bit as well. That bit we're going between the Tardises and I did. And it reminded me of Legopolis. I'd totally forgotten that the Tardis <laughs> lands in the Tardis with the Master Tardis in the Tardis. I was like, oh my god, you know, like brain melt. So I was thinking yeah. this is a bit like when in Legopolis where the Masters in the Tardis, and I I really like that idea, but uh, it doesn't work as well in this story. I don't no. think I got kind of confused actually. Yeah, yeah. and those bloody roundels that they redesigned for it i mean they just look just dreadful and it's really funny that story actually because um it's it's well known that barry letts hated that when he as soon as he saw it and then coincidentally as if by magic they all got damaged you know after this was filmed so I, i just got visions in my head of barry letts just going up to one of the set you know, they have like the set builders, the carpenters and so on, just said, look, yeah. here's a tenner. Just take a hammer to that lot, will you? <laughs> yeah. And let's have done with it. <laughs> it's strange, isn't it, that the two, because I think the same, didn't the same, there's a rumour the same thing happened with, um, was it Graham Williams and the and the wooden TARDIS console set from Tom's era? He's like, oh no, it's got terribly warped. We can't use it uh, again. Right. But they, yeah. a lot of people think he just wanted to yeah. create his own and yeah. stuff. Um, it does look dreadful and thank goodness actually because 
in the next story from, from series 10, which is the three doctors, we get a glorious TARDIS set, don't we? Oh, yeah, we get really yeah. nice roundels that mm-hmm. look like the original. We get a, a good old 70s television hanging from the wall. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I mean? It looks it looks great yeah. um, in, in, in the following series uh, in The Three Doctors. So, yeah, I'm glad they didn't stick with this. I mean, I, I didn't realize it was only in one story as well, um, this horrible set. I, th- I mean, I've seen pictures of it and mm-hmm. I assumed it was from this whole series, but no, just, just this story. Thank goodness. Yeah. yeah. Is it, don't you find it bizarre though, that, um, <laughs> when Kate, uh, when Joe walks in, she comments on it. She's like, Oh, you've redecorated. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking that's, Obviously, the master's got very similar taste to you then, because if the doctor's redecorated, the master's TARDIS looks almost identical. <laughs> so he's obviously redecorated with the same, you know, the same color scheme and stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, yeah, I'm not sure about that. That's why I think they should have changed the light in a bit. Yeah. You know? We've seen inside the master's TARDIS never stories as well. And I wish I could. I'll have to have a look on Clayton Hickman's Twitter feed or something. What it, they, it's different, isn't it? I mean, it's slightly it, different. Yeah. Don't they don't make it darker and stuff? I don't know. I can't remember. I'm sure we watched one not that long ago where Joe's inside the Master's TARDIS hiding or something. And uh, and it was really dark. And I, yeah, maybe I'm getting confused with something else. I don't know. I don't know. But, but yeah, but I didn't like it. Didn't like that. Didn't I literally didn't like it to quote the, oh, you've redecorated. Hmm, I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> don't like it. Yeah. No, you know, it's definitely an acquired taste. Yeah. I'm sure there are Who fans that like the the big washing up bowls, but yeah. Mm. Well, it's weird because they've sort of cut out the circle in the middle. So you can <laughs> almost see through, yeah. which sort of actually takes it away from, because you're sort of thinking we just feel, you can see through almost to the backdrop of the trees. So it doesn't feel like the TARDIS is even in flight and yeah, didn't work. Yeah. Mm. I'll tell you what I do like then. I'll give you something that I do like. Go on, <laughs> the, <laughs> the very phallic looking TARDIS, <laughs> sensor device time sensor device oh right how right. earth did they keep a straight face for that thing oh, when that I was know, it? I know. it is so it, well <laughs> it's you know, well you know come on but it's it i do do love it for the fact that they just got away with they that got away with it yeah it's, it's definitely so uh, king. yes and i thought the uh i thought capaldi's sonic screwdriver had a you know a, a yeah. shade of um <clears throat> Yeah, but this but, is very much in your face, oh, isn't yeah, it? It's like, yeah. you know, there's no question <laughs> of the, the shape and design of it. I'm like, what on earth? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I have to get myself one of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, um, yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. And I like the fact that the, there's a bit where he starts going mad, bleeping, blah, 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 and Joe's like, doctor, doctor, and he sort of has to, he has to look at it. And I'm thinking, surely you can hear it. <laughs> but I guess they probably dubbed on the sound effects after, I assume, because he probably he seems to have to look at it to realise it's working. I'm thinking, but it's going mad. Hmm. You know? Yeah. What about the other, other doctor's gadget that he creates? Because he creates this weird thing out of a wine bottle and some corks, and I wasn't quite sure what that was meant to be doing. <laughs> Yeah, so that's interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, it's kind of—I can't even remember what it does. It sort of jams the the the, uh, it, the master's uh, whatever he's doing. That's right, and then it blows up, doesn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So I don't even know what it is. I mean, it, he creates something that's like this time flow thingy blocker or something. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But it's just a bizarre little quirky moment, isn't it? I mean, it's. Mm. Yeah, it's got like the wine bottle and the 
corkscrew and yeah the, and the little jar what? of something and and it lights up i mean it's quite cool don't get me wrong you know when he starts yeah. you know turning it around i mean it's the prop guys have had fun doing that because it does balance perfectly and you can spin it around and yeah it doesn't fall over anything but it's a weird it's a weird little thing and like i said it's a bit of an a-team you know in the a-team back in yeah. the eight is where they sort of get trapped in a garage always and always get locked in a garage full of all yeah. the stuff they need yeah yeah and there's like a few hubcaps a bit of hose pipe and a spanner and they come out with like this massive tank yeah you know that's like fully working with an engine and everything it's a bit like that where he just cobbled all these strange little random bits that do nothing it reminds me a little bit and i've only just thought of this um you know the the 11th doctor makes that thing in craig's room in the lodger which is kind of spinning around. Not that oh, I've seen that phrase, yes. but is it a bit like that? I don't yeah, know. It's, it is. it's kind of just come to mind where it's just this thing spinning around, going nuts, doing absolutely nothing. But I, I love the fact that, you know, Pertwee's Doctor makes all these gadgets. So I love all that sort of stuff. He's always tinkering around trying to build something, isn't he? And I, I like that. It's awesome. <laughs> Even if it does look like a wine bottle with a corkscrew in the top, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what I love about Pertwee's Doctor, actually, is mm. that he's always sort of tinkering and building and making stuff. Mm. And they kind of dabble with that a little bit, or they try to, I think, with Capaldi's Doctor, because I think it was the start of Series 9 or possibly Yeah, they didn't go with, go with it enough, did they? They started to do it. Yeah, so yeah. In, in TARDIS you had like this big sort of work top, you know, like a workbench thing almost with all of his tools and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I thought, oh, we're going to see more tinkering and building yeah. quirky random stuff, but they never really took it. I wish we had, yeah. yeah. But I do like that about Pertwee's Doctor, though, he's... Um, yeah, lots of reversing stuff. You can he see where he says they, it again, doesn't yeah. he? He has to say it. Reverse the polarity, neutral flow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's cool. Though. I like that. I don't mind it. Yeah, no, I don't mind it. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, what did you think to uh, the 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 premise then of the the master sort of embedding himself within this scientific place and because um, he brainwashes the whoever the you guy in will obey me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he sort of brainwashes him and he's, uh, it's almost, in a way, I felt like this is kind of out of character for the master because I felt like he would just go and steal all that stuff and go and do mm. it, you know. And then he sort of relies on these other scientists as well because there's a bit where they run their own experiment without him and he gets really mad and he bursts in and have like a little shouty moment. Yeah. And then he calms awesome. down and then the younger, the younger brother of those two, He's like, oh, he's only being nice because he needs us, you sort of thing. Mm. And so he relies on these other scientists and stuff. But at first I thought this is out of character because, you know, the master doesn't need all of these people when he just, you know, doesn't need to go all, through all this faff of yeah. brainwashing people and making sure he's not discovered and stuff. And But then I thought, well, that's actually a, not a bad part of the story. When I sort of got into it, into the story a bit more, mm. I did think oh, it's actually quite cool. Because um, it does provide almost like a safe haven for him to sort of carry on and not make any waves anywhere and, you know, sort of disguising himself as a typical scientist and stuff. So what did you think to that stuff? Because that's how the story kicks off, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I must admit, I quite liked all that. Because I just, I love it when he does the whole you will obey me hypnotizing <laughs> thing. I think it's brilliant. Um, it's weird, isn't it? Because I think the story starts so interestingly. Like, you know, we, you know, it starts with, the doctor's dream sequence doesn't it which is quite psychedelic and you mm. know that real low shot of the master and oh, yeah, i was thinking yeah, yeah. this is great mm. intro great start but it as you know i don't know if it ever gets explained why the doctor's 
dreaming about it. I d- didn't really get it, but but I thought it was a great start to the episode. And then we get into all this that he's hiding out in a, you know, wherever he is and building all this stuff, trying to, you know, get Kronos to to um to Kronos. Kronos. Yeah. So that's all good. Um, and it's and I I do like the fact that when Kronos does finally appear, that he can't control it because I love that because Delgado is so brilliant at playing. He looks totally like shocked. He's so used to everyone just bowing down to him and doing what he wants, and he can't control this crazy thing. Um, so I thought that was really good. Um, and all that. So yeah, I I liked it. I liked liked him hiding out in this place. Uh, I thought they they discovered him quite quick, but then you know that's all right because it just moves the story along quite nicely but they're very they're on to him very quickly aren't they because of the doctor's dream and all that sort of stuff so yeah yeah so but yeah no i thought that was all good mate i liked all that um i did find it quite funny when he does the he manages to do the perfect impersonation of the brigadier over the phone (laughs) where he's sort of mouthing the words but oh yeah Yeah. i mean you know if you can do that you'd probably use it a lot more it's a, a bit of a convenient plot point but um that yeah. was quite funny. The guy next to him doesn't even question it either, does he? He doesn't like go, God, man, that's a that's a great impression of the Brigadier <laughs> you've just done there. He just sort of says, Oh, well done. <laughs> Very British, you know, well done, boy. Well done, sir. Yeah. yeah. Good old boy. Very good. good well yes. done, old boy. Yeah. Yeah. Pip, pip. But that was quite funny, I thought that. But he doesn't quite you know, as is always the way with these serials of the of this time, he doesn't quite get the lip syncing in time with Nick Court in his speech, does he? But it just about gets away with it, I suppose. Just about. Yeah. Just about, yeah. But it uh, doesn't fool Benson, of course. Oh, not Ben. Not, no. Oh, no. What does he say? He actually says, no, the Brigadier would never call me my dear chap or my, something. My dear so fellow. He realize, yeah. He, yeah, he realises it's not not the Brig. So that was quite a nice little touch. Yeah. So Benson, he has, um, yeah, he's not fooled easily because he conveniently opens the window because he knows he's going to walk around a block and back up and yeah yeah uh, and then we have that cool scene where the master just gives him a shot across the <laughs> you know and throws him into the cabin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I love those little moments in classic who mm-hmm. where the director's like look not really sure what you guys want to do here just give him a slap you <laughs> yeah. go down but just make he it look. really looks like he flies into that cabinet as well <laughs> I was thinking, God, that looked like that hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I like that little exchange between between Benton and the master. He's like, the oldest mm. trick in the book. And yes. Then, and then the master's like, oh, Doctor, sort of fools him. Like, he's behind you, sort of trick. He's like, I think you'll find that is the oldest trick in the book. <laughs> yeah, I liked that bit. Yeah. I had a big grin on my face. That's when Delgado's so good at delivering lines like that. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And one thing <laughs> I do like about the continuity in classic who is that the master knows the first names mm. of the unit sort of sergeants and stuff. Cause he's dealt yeah. with them before. So he knows, you know, the situation with them. So he knows, um, who Benson is, doesn't he? And he also knows the other guy who's the, um, Yates, uh, Yates. That's it. Yeah. He knows him mm. as well. Doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. As well as the brig. Obviously. Goodbye captain Yates. Yeah, 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 he does. Yeah. He's so evil against them as well, isn't he? He's really, he's like trying to stamp them out like ants, like you again. Right. Yeah. I'll get you this time. Yeah. I like that. Um, so in terms of story, before we get onto characters and stuff, mm. um, it kind of, it's got two, there's kind of two stories that are running that sort of merge into one another. So we've got the whole stuff that's happening on earth. Yeah. Where the masters in this place and the, uh, the doctor's constructed his time sensor thing and they're sort of tracking down where it's coming from and it leads them to this place and we have all that to and fro in. And then the other side of it is the Atlantis stuff. 
and mm. they end up there, don't they, in episode five, I think it is. It is, yeah, five, yeah. Um, so they end up there and then the rest of the story is in Atlantis and it gets destroyed and stuff. So how do you think that kind of mythical side of it, sort of how it weaves into the story? Because we see, we can see it building up, can't we? Because when the master mm. brings back, um, is it, I can't remember how he says it, is it Crasis or Crassus? Um so he brings him into Christ, yeah, crisis, I think. Yeah, into this dimension and then they argue for a little bit. But their sort of motives are aligned almost. You know, we're trying to summon Kronos. Um, and then we have these other scenes where we go to Atlantis a little bit, don't we? Where we mm. see the guy saying, oh, you know, the crystal's gone and, you know, crisis has disappeared and stuff like that. And then we sort of merge in episode five where we end up there. So how do you, what's your take on this kind of mythical side of it? Because like I said, they do mention these things like Zeus and mm. the Minotaur and all this stuff and it kind of gets like the importance of that stuff gets missed a little bit for me. Yeah, it does. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Cause like I said, it's quite a build up to it and it's mm. quite an adventurous idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, to, they probably, when they're reading the script thinking, Oh gosh, we've got to build Atlantis. I mean, that's, you know, no, easy task mm. i don't think they do too bad i know we only get that one set really with the pillars but uh i think it looks all right for the time this was made it's better than it could have been um but yeah i, I agree with you you got all this build up but when we do get to atlantis for that mainly explored in episode five mm. it's so dull that we don't really get any answers either um that I kind of was, I was thinking, oh, I'm, I'm done with Atlantis now. <laughs> you know, I was quite excited to get here, but I think yeah. I'd rather go back home now. Yeah, so it doesn't, it, it doesn't um, fulfill the potential, I think, that was probably yeah. there, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the one part of the story that, that, that was what I was saying earlier. When I got to that point in the story, I was like, ah, oh, mm. the score's coming down a bit for me because yeah, the, like the, it seems like they were just throwaway um, comments and characters about these really big, important mythical things. Mm. You know, whenever you've heard stories outside of Doctor Who, just in general about Atlantis and these gods and stuff, and you know, if you go back to these really old story uh, films that my mum used to watch and I did when I was a kid, like Jason and the Argonauts and Clash mm. of the Titans and stuff, you know, these stories are like really big, massive, epic things. Yeah. You know, and when the doctor first mentions it or when the master first mentions it, it's just like, Oh yeah, that's old, oh, that place. Oh, Atlantis. Yeah, yeah. It's there somewhere. And then yeah. they, it's, it's almost like, it's just a throwaway. It's like, Oh yeah, that crystal, the real ones Atlantis. Yeah. So we'll, we'll probably nip there at some point. Mm. And they it, seem really bored, don't they? They're just sat <laughs> around having yeah. taken in a bit of sun and the yeah. actual characters on Atlantis actually really let it down, don't they? Cause they don't, there's no get up and go to any of them really. I mean, there's one guy that's shouting about, I don't know what his name was, the, the guy with the sort of long brown and hair the and the eyeliner. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's having a go, but, but the rest of them just seem to be like, yeah, you know, the Ingrid Pitt character. I mean, what, what was the point of her really? Oh, no. She doesn't yeah. do anything at all. Um, and we also get stuff like the Minotaur thrown in, which feels very much just that thrown in, thrown doesn't in, it? It's yeah. just, you know, and I, I didn't realise, <laughs> I didn't realise that's poor old David Prowse in that costume. Yeah. I kept thinking yeah. that's Darth Vader in there yeah. Yeah. and he's being made to act, look like an idiot because <laughs> he's sort of, the doctor starts doing this bullfighting thing with him, <laughs> yeah. which is just like, what? Yeah. And then he crashes through the wall. That, I think, is that episode five or six? Six, I think, six, isn't it? Yeah. 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 
But um, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of felt a bit sorry for David Prowse, really, um, going from Darth Vader to that. But yeah, again, it's it, it does feel a bit thrown in, like, right, we're Atlantis, um, what should we do now? Sort of thing. And they could have really explored the whole Kronos mm-hmm. thing more. And maybe we should have seen a bit more of those guys earlier on. Because like you said, I don't care about any of them by the time we get to Atlantis. I'm just like, well, who are these? They all seem really selfish and horrible. So I don't really care if any of them survive. You know, when when the whole place starts collapsing and I'm like, good, you know, <laughs> horrible people. So, yeah, it, it, it definitely does take a dip around about there, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, even, even with the mine at all. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I just, I think you, I agree with you 100% on that. I think I'd like to have seen more of the Atlantis stuff early on and for it to be made more of a bigger deal of. Because ultimately in this story, if you look at it very general from the outside looking in, the Doctor and the Master have chased each other and now that, you know, they're ended up in Atlantis and all of the things that happen in Atlantis are kind of -of run-of-the-mill stuff. There's nothing epic going on there. And then Atlantis gets destroyed. You know, so they've taken this really big, massive, mythical thing, hmm. and they and it they, it's just treated this as very low level, almost like a plot device. It's like, oh, they're here now, because yeah. this is where the crystal, the original crystal, is. I think, um, but now we just don't need it anymore. Now we're gonna, you know, we're gonna get rid of Atlantis, hmm. you know, this legendary place, and now we're just gonna go on to the Doctor and the Master, you know, having a a showdown you know between tardises so yeah i'd like to have made them make a bigger deal of it and not so just off the cuff oh we're in atlantis brilliant and i think that's what people i think that's the bit that people remember about the story isn't it i think that's why this is regarded as not very good because certainly when we put it on the schedule to review my first sort of image in my mind is all the atlantis stuff mm-hmm Atlantis, sorry, stuff. So, you know, I think it does overshadow what those first four episodes, which are fairly decent. They're certainly a great, you know, entertain, mm-hmm. entertaining watch. But if I think of this story, I do focus on the Atlantis stuff, and it's only really in the last two episodes. Um, but they seem to, yeah, they, they definitely let the story down because, as I said, I think that's what most people think of when they, or they think of yeah. Kronos flapping around. The and, Kronos, yeah. You know, I, I don't know about you, though. I don't, when you see, because you, you don't really see much of it on screen. I'm guessing because most of the time it's on a wire and they're trying mm-hmm. to hide it. But when you see photographs of what the actual costume looks <laughs> like, I quite like it. I think it's quite iconic. I mean, it, for the time, you know, putting it in perspective, it it's quite, you know, it's a bit laughable, yes. But I don't know, there's something about it. I quite like it. And I think the sort of actual look of it, is all right you know it's got these weird eyes and this weird sort of mm. big no i'm looking at pictures of it now on, on wiki you know what i mean i i kind of i think it's good that they keep it off screen i think it's good that we only see it as much as we do because i don't think it it looks that great on screen mm-hmm. but i just mean as a design of the actual costume i think it's quite interesting i quite like it like if there was a figure or a figurine of it i'd, I'd probably quite like it mm. yeah but yeah, well, I think they, I think the editing and that's really good in that sense because I think if you did see more of it on screen, it, it would be a letdown. <laughs> it yeah. wouldn't look good. But yeah, you know? it's something quite cool about how they handled it as well, mm. um, because they do this thing where they, 
they they push like a load of sort of really bright lights at it and it's almost got this glowing yeah, effect. Yeah, it's a glow. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and the camera movement's quite quick and jerky and it doesn't leave you long to sort of focus on what it actually looks like in detail. That's right. Yeah. So I quite like that. That was quite cool. Um, and the sound effect's quite good because it's quite horror, horrible, isn't it? The screeching sound, mm. I think, gives it a bit more... I can't really say realism because it, it isn't realistic, but you know what I mean? It gives it something else, gives it an edge. Yes. It's quite horrible, the screeching, and there's things flapping around going mad. So you yeah, get the idea. Yeah. 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 But no, I quite like you, mate. I quite like the design. Like It's got this mm. kind of uh, Roman yes, soldiery. Yes, I couldn't think what it was like. Yeah. Yeah, it's got this Roman yeah. soldier design kind of sort of helmet on. Mm. And then, um, yeah, like, and then the rest of it's like the sort of bird feathered kind of thing but no it's not the worst design that we've seen <laughs> in classic no. coup for a monster and that's what i was going to say in in lots of classic coup we've seen these big sort of lumbering stupid rubber latex you know awkward looking monsters mm. you know so they could have done that but they chose to do like something different so, yeah um, but yeah but it does it's a bit comical when we first see mm. it and it sort of does away with one of the yeah the it's going mad yeah. Yeah. um <laughs> But yeah, I, I quite like it. Mm. Um, yeah, so for me, really, that's where the story sort of diverges off into. Um, yeah, so when we've because I, I really like the first few episodes, like you said, where we've got the whole Doctor and Joe investigating stuff, and we've got Unit mm. involved in it's on Earth, and we've got a bit of Bessie action, and yeah, U- yeah. Unit are running around, and we've got typical Brig doing his very very good banter with the doctor like yeah losing his banter. patience all the time and mm-hmm. has no idea what the doctor's up to and it frustrates him because he just wants to be told in black and white yes we're doing this but the doctor's always very elusive and winding him up and so th- that makes for great classic coup from the Pertwee era so i That's really why enjoy I find it. it very watchable yeah because yeah. there's a bit where he says something really sarcastic to the doctor and joe bursts out laughing and he yeah. gets a little smile about the fact that he thinks he's being funny and you know little scenes like that mm. make this very watchable i think very very yeah. cool so yeah yeah so story-wise yeah it's a bit up and down for me mm-hmm. um pacing wise it's not too terrible it's not for too classic bad here. it's all yeah. right um yeah it's okay and we do have some we do have some moments where they had to use their imagination a little bit. So there was no way that they could use some kind of effect where, because there's a couple of scenes where um, the master's turned, got his device turned on and it's slowing down time, I think. And the doctor's, yeah. you know, sort of, and when you get close enough to the field that, you know, because there's a bit where the the brig's kind of trying to, Oh, I know. Yeah, he's pretending to, like to walk he's stuck, <laughs> slow motion, yeah. and the doctor's yeah. running up behind him. So the doctor, the, the brig's just doing this weird sort of bouncing up and down. Mm-hmm. This is me walking in slow motion. This is how. I, <laughs> um, yeah. So that bit's really, you know, some comical bits in it, and I had to use imagination and stuff. But I think I'm definitely more of a fan of the first two thirds of the story rather mm. than the last third. Um. What did you think? Let's talk to characters then. So the, the final yeah. two, um, we'll race through some of these because there's quite a few. So Unit is Loads, Unit. Loads, actually. It's a big cast, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So Unit is Unit. For me... And they're good in it. Yeah. The the performances from Benton, uh, the Brig, um, all of those guys, for me, were very consistent, I found. Yeah, absolutely. There was, yeah, yeah, there was no point where I thought, oh, they've changed how that character is or they've changed Unit a little bit. I really like it. They're very consistent. 
So when you see unit in like a Troughton story right through here, whatever it is, you know, especially the brig, um, you know, Nick Courtney, just brilliant. Yeah. Very consistent. So we don't need to talk about them too much. If you've seen unit in classic coup up to this point, it's unit basically. Mm. Um, the two scientists then that help in the doctor. Um, I, I'm not sure whether the script was intentionally because the, the, because they're brother and sister, aren't they? Those two scientists. I think so. Oh, are they not? I, di- I didn't get that. Uh, it, they may be. Maybe. It may have just gone over my head. What? I didn't. Oh, maybe they are. They, they, they could be. I don't know. I didn't get that, but uh, oh, maybe they are. Maybe they're not then. Oh, crap. Anyway, I th- why did I think they were? Oh, I don't know. I'm sure there was a scene that referenced those two. As bro- oh, crap. I've probably got oh, that. Hang on. I don't, no, no, you could be right. There is a bit where they go back to Stuart's house and he's a bit of a hoarder and he's got all this junk and she does make a comment but i don't i don't know if it's brother or sister i can't remember now yeah. there is there is something there but i can't think what it was our listeners will know brother yeah. yeah our listeners will know yeah yeah um but i what did you think to him because i found his acting a little bit yeah he's one of those isn't he he's one <laughs> of those that we very often get in this this era of, of who he's, he's a bit too um He's not quite taking it a hundred percent. Well, he is taking it seriously, but he's a bit hammy. He's a bit, he's a bit sort of stage acting, isn't yes. he? Whereas I thought Ruth, uh, the, you know, the, the other doctor, she's actually quite good. I think she's a bit more believable. Whereas, um, it's hard to describe, but I know, you know, what I mean, Stuart, he sort of says his lines that are very much, I'm saying my lines today. And it's, it's like, we don't talk, people don't talk like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas yeah. Ruth actually is talking like I am now. She's a bit more fluid and a bit more realistic in, in just her overall performance, you know? So they were quite a nice contrast in a way, but he did stick out a little bit, I think as being a bit, not over yeah. the top, but just his acting just wasn't as good as as the other people in it i thought i thought um who played ruth wanda moore i thought she was quite good as dr ruth ingram um but Stuart, played by ian collier nothing wrong with him i, I actually grew to like him the more the story went on because when he first come into it i was like oh dear yeah i did, did. So yeah. i thought oh, i was always one <laughs> that just lets the whole <laughs> acting team down but i i grew to like him more as the story went on, I wouldn't say his acting was great, but you know, when he gets aged and he looks at himself in the mirror and he's horrified and all that sort of stuff. And you know, he wasn't bad. We, we've, we've seen a lot worse, but he also wasn't that good either. Hmm. But I liked Ruth. I thought Ruth was quite a good, strong lead female character. Actually. I thought she was pretty good in it. Let me hit you with something. Go on. Ian Collier. Ian Collier. Played Omega in the arc of infinity. Did he? No, well, I didn't know that. No BS. Wow. I did not know that. So that's Omega. Yeah, yeah. Blimey. Oh, he did but it. He's, so, he's such a wet lettuce in yeah. this story. How did he go from that to being, I mean, yeah. yeah. You know, Omega in that story, not great, but he certainly, uh, I would never have, never have put him in that suit. Yeah. I didn't, uh, didn't realise that. Never would have guessed it was him in that yeah. suit, I mean. Played Omega wow. in Big Finish as well. Oh, good mm. Lord. Didn't know that. Yeah. What I was going to say was, um, I'm not sure if the script was intentionally meant to, I don't know if there was some politics or something going on in the world at that time. Cause mm. you know, classic who, especially it does reference like sort of what's going on in the world politically with some stories. And there are 
quite a few scenes in the very beginning where Dr. Ruth is quite vocal about men being in charge. And I noticed that, yeah. Yeah, so I'm not sure if that was a, a, a jab at something that was going on at the time because mm. we're going through it at the minute, you know, the last couple of years and it's really ramping up now is this gender pay gap thing that we've seen, you know. So I'm not sure if something like that was happening in the world back then in the 70s. I'm not sure. But she's definitely... She she references it at the start. I noticed that. A few times, yeah. And and they only play on it for a little bit, though. And sometimes Mm. when you see that in stories where they don't make it the focus of that character, but they just put these like sort of passive-aggressive little nods in there so when people are watching it when the studio executives are watching it they're like okay yeah. okay we read mm-hmm. you you know we mm-hmm. know what you're trying to say sort of thing so i found that quite interesting and then they sort of leave it so she's quite into it and she's very passionate about it but then it's just left you know mm. it's not mentioned again so yeah. but she's the stronger of the two as well isn't she so definitely. maybe you're right yeah. it probably is very much intentional because it mm. she definitely out of the two of them She's sort of calling the shots, I guess. Mm. So, yeah, maybe that is intentional, yeah. And the bit that I mentioned where the Briggs pretending to, you know, go in slow motion and the Doctor runs Mm. after him because there's that time field going on. There's a bit where the other guy, what's his name, Stuart, um, he's in a wheelchair because he's been aged loads, hasn't he, due to experiment. So when when the Doctor brings the Brig back to the van he's in his wheelchair and he's got the old age makeup on. But then when we next see him, when they go into his apartment or flat, whatever, he's normal again. Mm. So are we to take from that then that some kind of time field, whatever has reversed that. And he's now his normal age that he was before. I assumed it was something to do with the thing blowing up or something. I can't remember. Cause I, I did think that I thought, Oh, what's caused him? Cause the doctor doesn't seem to think there's any cure. Does he? Yeah. yeah. He's like, I'm really sorry. I'll, I don't know if we can do anything and I'll try my best. Um, mm. I, I, I wasn't clear quite what had caused him to turn back um, myself. So I don't know. I, yeah, I'm really not sure. I think there was something in there. Can't um, remember. No. There is a reason, but it's not that clear on screen, I don't think. Right, um, right, right, right. Yeah. Right, right. But yeah, you can tell he's pulled off the bold cap because yeah. his hair's all flat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, okay. So those guys are pretty good. Yeah, I thought they're okay. They, they work perfectly well in the story, don't they? As they I said, grow on you, don't they? They grow on you. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't sort of groan every time I come onto screen. I was like, yeah, yeah. they're all right. They're all right. Um, what about the Atlanteans then? Um, so we have Crasis, who's like the priest person from Atlantis. Yeah, he gets brought into the story very early on. The, the master sort of brings him, mm. you know, beams him down from Atlantis. And uh, they constantly squabble, don't they? Like the master's like, don't worry about it. When Kronos gets here, he's my beep. Why did he want him, though? Because he just kind of flaps around, annoying the master. I wasn't quite sure what. Well, I don't think the master knew that that's what Kronos would be like. No, no, sorry, not Kronos. The the, the guy that, um, what's oh, his name? Crasis. Why does yeah. the master bring him? Oh, is, because is all... um, the master's realised, hasn't he, that... Um, he can't summon Kronos without some additional knowledge on how the crystal works. Oh, right. So he needs somebody from Atlantis to sort of tell him, Mm. because that's that's how he acquires that little seal of Kronos, the little 
Oh, yeah, so he's holding it, but yeah, yeah, fighting him back with it, yeah. So I think that's what it, I can't remember exactly, but I think that's the angle. Um, So yeah, Cray says he he gets brought into the story fairly early, and I like the constant squabbling, because like you said, normally people just, you know, the master does his brainwashy thing, or he's quite a powerful person anyway, and they normally just bend to his will. But this guy's like... You know, because the master's like, don't worry about Kronos. When he gets here, I'll control him. It's all to be good. We can rule the universe together sort of thing. And uh, Kratos is like, no, you can't control the true God and you can't do this and all that lot. So that gets a bit tiresome after a little, but I, I do like the the squabble between them. And it, it's not all in the master's favor. He hasn't got complete control over Kratos. That's quite cool. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I thought actually Donald Eccles' as crisis was, was quite good because he, he did seem to be taking it very seriously, the part. Mm. Um, I actually thought he was quite good in, in the role as well. Yeah, yeah he's quite good, at, like you said, sparring off of um, of the master the mm. way they did. Yeah, not bad at all, actually. Yeah, and then we had the other Atlanteans there. So we had the old guy, look looked like Gun Dumbledore, you know, the big silver Oh, he's the guy that stuff. gets tortured and yeah. just... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> gets brought down a peg or two. Yeah, and yeah. then we have these other dudes like you mentioned the guy with the guy liner and the makeup and <laughs> yeah and all that stuff. Um, but then we had the king and queen, don't we, of Atlantis? So we had King Dalios, um, yeah. and then Queen Galea. I think her name was Galea. Is that is that Ingrid Pitt? Ingrid Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. So the master sort of tricks her, really, doesn't he? He sort of says, you know, I'll give you power. You know, he promises her stuff, mm. but doesn't quite let her know that he's going to off the king. <laughs> um, and she gets really miffed at that. So those two characters, yeah, I mean, I wasn't too bought into them, to be honest with you. It's Not like I all. said, no. when we got to this point in the story, I was kind of like, yeah, you've obviously just glossed over, you know, the Atlantis thing. You know, these are just people that, yeah, they don't. I, I, I couldn't get over the performance of, of Ingrid Pitt because, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't she quite a sort of a bit of a name? I was going to say big actress, but hadn't she done a lot? I mean, it's a, it, you know the name Ingrid Pitt. It's so familiar to me. I assume she was quite a established actress, and she, she's as dull as dishwater in it. She and it's not just the script. She just doesn't seem to give anything in her performance. I was quite shocked, really, because I kept thinking you've got Ingrid Pitt, you know, and Roger Delgado on screen together. Two. Big names, mm-hmm. I think, giving, you yeah. know, and Delgado, as I said, very much for me carrying the whole episode, really. But um, I am yeah. right. I, she's she's done quite a bit. I just thought, like, she did nothing in this story at all. Like, there's no character there. I didn't didn't feel anything towards, you know, the Queen at all. Even when old matey boy gets knocked off, she doesn't, you know, mm. she sort of goes, oh, dear, that was very naughty of you. You know, it's just like, what? Yeah, yeah, there was mean. no gravitas to her performance at all, but I am yeah. right on. She was quite a, a fairly, she'd done a lot of TV, right? She Or she went on to do, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, she'd done a little bit up to that point. Um, yeah. She had done um, a few films up to that point. So she'd done mm. Dr. Shivago and a couple of Hammer Horror things, and she was in Where Eagles Dare. Is that why she, that's probably what I'm thinking. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm sure, I'm sure the name Ingrid Pitt is associated with, and it's probably the Har- um, Hammer Horror films, then, yeah, is it? Yeah. She did a few of those, yeah. Yeah, so she went on to do a couple of James Bond things, and she was in quite a few, yeah, horror films. But I think up to that point when this went out, she was probably best known for Where Eagles Dare. 
that right. brilliant film from yeah yeah um but yeah so i'm exactly with you mate i, I thought she was going to be a lot more sort of have some gravitas yeah like something. when she's on screen yeah. like you think wow you know ingrid pitt's on screen and but mm. yeah she was just she sort of merged in with all the other sort of bland kind of people playing the atlanteans really she was really bland and mm. i just thought it was such a shame because i said it my mind's eye my memory of this story is you know i think of her i think of atlantis you know i think of pertwee's doctor with her and you know but what i saw on screen yesterday was like nothing like i remembered at all i thought god mm. she's so boring she doesn't seem to even want to be there you know yeah, yeah. um yeah. does she go on to be in warriors of the deep or is that someone else so george can play her ingrid Pitt later yeah yeah it's on wiki i thought so so she's so she's ingrid Pitt was um i don't know what character it was it worries the deep she's in that as well which we did quite recently dr solo yeah and i think the mm -hmm. fact that i've forgotten already probably says yeah. something so yeah that's a shame really I, it's, there was a there was a good part there i felt that could have been acted you know done a lot better we know? have to uh, confirm her proper classic who status did she do z cars ah well no she didn't no no oh right yeah <laughs> Uh, but yeah she was yeah nothing to shout about really no shame um she does lose her rag a little bit when she finds out that the <laughs> yeah, master's um when he's knocked off uh, her husband the king um, yeah. what did you think of him as well because he's really he's he's going for it under that wig isn't he, he? Is, he's, he? he's he's yeah. he's definitely he's the opposite to ingrid he seems to really want to try and make a name for himself i thought i thought he was doing all right yeah who's that uh, George he just Cormac. looked a bit yeah. he just looked a bit silly in the wig but i, I thought he was giving it something he was giving you know it. He, yeah yeah we're, so. he was just up against uh not a great script unfortunately no for those guys <laughs> yeah but he was okay though he was all right uh right atlanteans done yes there's one other person i want to mention just because it's the other scene <laughs> yeah. where i bet i thought i bet Gary was laughing like mad at this. I know which um, one you're going to say. You yeah. do, don't you? It's the window cleaner. The window cleaner. cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> the window cleaner. So played by Terry Walsh, who was, you know, stuntman uh, yeah, yeah. back in back in Doctor Who. He's in so many episodes, isn't he? Oh, Terry he's in Walsh. all of them, pretty but much. But there's yeah. that scene, because he does do a comical, <laughs> almost like um, confessions of a window cleaner face when he's looking through the window. <gasps> he's like, oh, what? But it's weird, because nothing really nothing really out of the ordinary for a scientific experiment is happening. Not really. No. In that room. But he reacts as if he's seeing something extraordinary. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. which later, you know, he kind of does when he finally crashes to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? It's... laughs> but it was a bit like, it's, it is quite comical. Yeah. It, it, to be honest with you, it's a pointless character and a pointless yeah. scene. Yeah. But it works because it's funny. Yeah. It absolutely doesn't need to be in the story at all. It's no. like the, you know, setting up his ladder. All right, here we go. I'm going to wash that one window. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to start at the bottom or the top and work down. I'm just going to choose that random window right there. Oh, it happens to be the one with the, you know, interdimensional time travel experiments that happen to be going on. And so, when he's lying dead on the floor, <laughs> when he's not dead, actually, is he? He's, no, he's not. He's, no. But he's badly injured. But when he's lying there, those two posh old British chaps oh, don't yeah. give a tapney anything about him, do they? They're just like they just like, oh, is he all right? Well, he will be. Oh, good show. And in <laughs> they go to their conference or whatever, and he's just lying there, all battered with his 
broken leg and it's you know poor old window cleaner but yeah it is a pointless scene but i'm glad it's there it's funny yeah Yeah. and his face is brilliant as well yeah yeah he's like oh my god yeah yeah so so special mention for terry walsh who did a lot for doctor who actually yeah um do we need to speak about the master anymore i think we've spoken about delgado i mean Um, you can just sum him up in just one word just brilliant, brilliant isn't he yeah he's so suave he's so just can't take your eyes off him when he's on screen he's brilliant he's, isn't he? he's so good roger delgado yeah. yeah and i want to pick up on a point that you mentioned right at the beginning mm. and that is i feel like he does carry this story he does in he makes it much more watchable yes. yeah because perto is great don't get me wrong he but, is but i think that yeah i just think that delgado carries a lot of the parts of the story are the episodes where you think right if he wasn't doing his thing now this would drag on forever oh it would it would be so dull without him in it because i mean that is the thing he is doing what the master seems to do pretty much every week that he's in it it's there's nothing really new here but he's so good at what he does that it doesn't matter um he like you said he really sort of lights up the screen when he's on it um i've got to say actually i think pert was very on point in this story as well he seems very relaxed and comfortable as the doctor by now i i mean you know i don't want to sort of glaze over Pert because i think he's excellent in it actually you know that that scene where he's talking about his childhood he's so brilliant in it he's absolutely taking the role seriously and uh and katie manning again bless her she doesn't get an awful lot to do but she is good in it because her love for the doctor and clearly Pertwee himself mm-hmm. is so evident on screen you know like oh, when she yeah. thinks the doctor's yeah. dead and she's on the little scanner and she's just like well i just blow me up as well mm-hmm. then because you may as well you know i think she's just great i do love the companion of joe grant so she is pretty cool actually yeah so yeah. they are good the three of them together and a bit like what you said about unit absolutely consistently Yes. great yeah. in this story so even if the story is not 100 percent, those guys really make it um watchable and a lot more fun absolutely yeah. yeah and just lastly i think the two things that make those it's really good that the two kind of leading men if you like in the story um are consistent but i i love the confidence of delgado because the, mm. the thing that i love about pertwee and delgado is that they're both really confident in their scenes, but in a different way. So Delgado's got that really brash, outward, you know, just complete confidence in whatever he's going to do is going to be fine. Because there's a few times where he gets questioned, like the director (laughs) of the Institute's like, so what are we going to do about so-and-so? Or, you know, what's going to happen? Or are you sure? And Delgado's always, his character's always like, just don't worry. You know, I've dealt with this before. It's all going to be fine. You know, he's just oozes confidence it's brilliant whereas pertwee is very confident but in a quieter way he's quietly confident Mm. in all of his scenes he doesn't need to be shouty he doesn't need to be you know as forceful in his confidence as delgado is he's just like there's a scene where they go to uh you know where stewart's apartment yeah and they're all sitting down and he's uh, sorry is it that bit where no at the institution where uh has been aged and he's coming out of his He's been unconscious, whatever. And everyone else is quite worried, you know, and they're panicking a little bit. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Whereas Pertwee is just sat on, in a chair at the back on of the, the scene. On the stool, yeah. That is of, his apartment, yeah. Yeah, sort of cross-legged. And he's just like, look, calm down, carry on. What's mm. going on? You mm. know, and he's got this quiet confidence. Like he's in control, but he doesn't need to be at the front of the scene Yeah, with the other actors. He's just there doing his thing. So mm. I love that about Pertwee's Doctor and yeah, like you said, all these, you know, the three, Joe Grant as well, just 
Katie Manning, brilliant. The the contrast, actually, yeah, you're absolutely right. Contrast between the Doctor and the Masters, brilliant, isn't it? I mean, they spar off each other so well. Yeah. Um, John Pertwee and Roger Delgado, they are just electric when they're on screen. Yeah. yeah. Like there's a bit where the Master thinks he's finally killed the Doctor, and he actually says, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna miss that guy. Yeah. Gonna miss having to, you know." And he's and then he's he almost he's quite pleased that he's not dead because yes. it's almost it's a bit yeah. like cat and mouse, isn't it? The fun is in the chase, and yeah. that's very much the sort of third doctor and, and master's relationship is always the master trying to kill him but he doesn't really want to kill him because he enjoys all the setup and fun that goes with yeah. chasing him around the galaxy and all that sort of stuff so yeah. they play that brilliantly and it's great that that foundation for those characters was set in stone even back in the early days of who because if we look mm. at stories like the end of time where tenant's doctor really cares for john sims master yeah, at so various yeah. times and doesn't want him to die and tries to help him and so on you know, and then Sims Master is like very evil and wants to kill him, but he's kind of got this tiny little bit inside him, like at the end where he saves him from Rassilon. Yeah. So that I love it that, that all of that stuff has been set in stone and it's been going on for years and it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, because the doctor kind of saves the master in this, doesn't he? At he does end. it again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, he could let the master get his comeuppance at last, but he can't do that. No. There, there is an affection between both of them, <laughs> although the master would never sort of bow to it he admits yeah. it when he's not around the doctor so yeah, there's a yeah. scene in the the master's tardis where i think crasis does mention the doctor and the master's like oh he's brilliant he's got oh a, yeah yes that's right yeah, yeah he's got a brilliant mind and stuff but he would that's never right. say that to the you know yeah i so. forgot about that but yeah he does doesn't he yeah yeah, yeah. which is brilliant yeah yeah there we go i think that's the time monster there is. There is just one last thing I want to mention because I found thing. it quite, yeah, it's quite interesting, I think. Okay. And I didn't pick up on this. It's because I I quite often watch these with the production subtitles because they give you a good sort of background on on things. And um, and I'm glad I did with this one because there's a bit where the Doctor is talking to Joe with this in his subconscious. So there's all these voices oh, yeah. and whispering, yeah. blah, 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 but the doc, you know, the doctor's talking to her. Now I didn't pick up on it, but it said um, keen-eared viewers may notice that some of the doctor's subconscious voices are female. Female, yeah. Now I didn't yeah. notice that. I didn't until I read it. Like, yeah. Oh right, yeah. Until the so I think that's really cool because obviously we are about to have our first female doctor and stuff. But I love the fact that even back in 1972. They were thinking along those lines. So maybe the writer, um, who was it, Robert Sloman or even Barry Letts, there is a bit of a women's, you know, lib thing at the beginning that you pointed out. Mm -hmm. And there is this thing of having, you know, the, some of the doctor's subconscious voices are female. So it's kind of even back then we, you know, it's there. Of course. The doctor can yeah. be female. So, And I would never have noticed that. Oh, I didn't either. As, no. Until, but I, I love the fact it's there because it kind of brings everything. Anyone that's sort of saying, no, no, it's not canon. <laughs> the doctor can't be female. Well, actually, I don't know. Maybe he can because it's all, you know, it was already there back in the classic series. So it's canon. Yeah. So I, I like yeah. that. Yeah, I like the fact we got that. That's very cool, actually. It almost feels like a little hidden Easter egg or something. It does, doesn't it? I love it. it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah. No, it's great. Um, just lastly for me, um, I I quite like the music in this one. There are a couple of scenes where it gets a bit sort of playful, clown-like, and I'm not really a fan of that. But um, mm -hmm. for the most part, I really like the little musical uh, interludes that bring you into each scene. It's got like this kind of electric, electro synthy kind of vibe going on. I quite like it. Yeah, it's it's Dudley Simpson, isn't it? I go, I just love his the brilliant. stuff anyway. 
Yeah, love Dudley. Yeah. Right, yeah, then, scores. Scores. It's me to go first, I think. Good. And I'm going to give this a six. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm slightly higher, only by a fraction. I'm 6.5. Okay. Yeah. I felt seven was too high and I felt six was too low. I was kind of, so I'm in the middle. 6.5. 6.5. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah. When I watched the first three or four episodes, I thought this is hovering around a 6.5 or 7. But right. then the final two were just like, ah, uh, this has brought it down a bit for me. It did dip. Yeah. 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 Reasonable scores, though. Yeah. What did our listeners think? So over on the Twitter poll, uh, 57% of you said likey and Ooh. 43% said stinky. Ooh, all right. A bit more even that one. Yeah, because the last few that we've done, they've been all quite consistent. Only a few stinkies, haven't they? But, mm. but that's a bit more half-half, isn't it? It is. Mm. Uh, we had some comments on Twitter as well. Uh, Isaac Whittaker said, it's definitely the worst Doctor Who story I've seen 100 times. <laughs> so does that mean, does that mean that he likes, likes it? Or? don't know yes uh, the TARDIS mm. files HQ says I love the opening to part one other than that it's not great if you compare it to other stories from the Pertwee era quite forgettable and boring and a rubbish finale to season nine I'm sorry but I can't go any higher than a five yeah I agree it's a it's a dud ending to the series but yeah yes. in terms of the actual resolution mm. yeah. uh, our writer um, does a lot of our big finish reviews. Jordan Shortman says, remember watching the story on VHS with the master set. Uh, I quite enjoyed mm-hmm. it, actually. Seven out of ten, mainly for nostalgic reasons. I remember that tin. Yeah, that, that set. Yeah. yeah. Uh, TARDISNet66 says, really bad. Very misguided oh. plotting and some ridiculous, silly moments. It's very dull and unbelievable interpretation of Atlantis, which does not live up to the expectations of an incredibly laughable villain. Oh. Uh, and it takes itself too seriously and completely fails. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Mm. Yes. Um, Electrold uh, at Blazing Callum, 29, says it's one of my guilty pleasures. Oh, good. Yes. Um, uh, John Winston Scott says it feels very disloyal to the pert to vote it a stinker, but it really ah. is a miss, a mess mm. and a dull one at that. Oh, no. A lot of people saying that, dull, using that word. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting Twitter name, this one. Dan in the man in the big red van <laughs> says, one of the most underrated Pertwee stories. Uh, I really right. don't understand where all the negativity for this comes from. It has a great story and great performances from the main cast, uh, especially the wonderful Ingrid Pitt. Uh, really? He says it's a classic. Nice one, Dan. Hmm. Okay, Dan, cheers. Yeah, Andrew Cuthbert Jr. says, Timeless classic, always a pleasure to see Delgado and Pertwee verbally spar on screen. Mm. Uh, Morgan Gallifrey-Hooven says, uh, Definitely a guilty pleasure. If shortened by one or two parts, it would have gone down far better. You might be right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the storyline is quite spontaneous and unit don't feel needed. Nonetheless, it's really fun to watch. Delgado is perfect and the beautiful hermit speech. Uh, yeah, he gives it 6.3 Kronoses out of 10. <laughs> and uh, lastly on Twitter, uh, Isaac Whittaker-Dakin says it's the worst Pertwee story objectively, but it's more entertaining and watchable than Frontier in Space or The Mutants. Right. Yeah, okay. We'll see when we get to The Mutants. I think you might be right. Yeah. Mm. Uh, over on the official Facebook page, only a few here. Jeff Waddle. 
Ah. He really wasn't liking the last one we did. What did we do where Jeff went mad? He <laughs> I don't know. Um, there's a few he doesn't like. Yeah, you know. he says, I love Ingrid Pitt, but that's because oh. I grew up with her in the Hammer Horror films. Her yeah. and Delgado steal the show in the last two episodes. Other than that, it's just a horrible mess. A white budgie person that eats time. <laughs> they didn't have the budget for this and they should have reined it in. A mishmash of good ideas that get lost in a very fragmented story. Four out of ten, and two of those are for Ingrid. I know which two. Um, I was going to say, I wonder <laughs> if I've been slightly harsh on Ingrid, because I, I will admit I zoned out in the last two episodes. Maybe she was better than I'm giving her credit. Possibly. But I didn't find I her did... that great, though. Okay, yeah. good. I was going to say, I hope I haven't been too harsh, because I did. I honestly did zone out quite a lot in that episode five so i hope i'm not doing her an injustice yeah yeah uh sammy satine from doubt under says ruffles joe unit the master what's not to love uh, it's not perfect but it kept me entertained the story and the doc uh, the story the doctor tells about the old bloke under the tree uh the planet he describes sounds nothing like gallifrey even though it is i did think that because i was thinking about when the doctor visits the barn in Day of the Doctor and all that, I was thinking that doesn't really tally with the story that Pert was mm. talking about. He's talking about being on a cliff and a tree and yeah. and all that as a child. So, yeah. Gallifrey's a big place, though. Mm. Might yeah. have a tree somewhere and a cliff. <laughs> in that desert, yeah, yeah. and a cliff. Uh, she says, good acting from all. Uh, she gives it seven Atlanteans out of ten. Cool. George Puddy. He really wanted to like this one, but it's not great. Plot is a mess. And it's a slog to get through. The cast were good, but the production values were poor. And it's a real disappointment as the final outing for Delgado's master. Is this his final one? Oh, is this when... Uh, Did he have his accident after this? Hang on. Yeah, because like, could be right there. Mm, I've got to, I'm just, I'll have a look where you read the comments. Yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah. yeah. He also says, um, Tom Tit. Who came up with that name? <laughs> I can't believe we forgot to mention that. Yeah, I yeah, know. I did think that at the time. Yeah. So yeah. listeners who haven't seen this one, the device that the master constructs to uh, disrupt time and summon Kronos with the crystal, etc., this big electrical machine mm -hmm. thing is called Tom Tit, and it stands for, oh, crikey, it stands for something. Yeah. It's got a long name. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he says... Who came up with that name? He says, overall, it's pretty poor. The elements were there, but it's just a pretty weak story. Four out of ten. Martin Arnold says, I loved it. The ambitious attempt at something myth mythological is compelling. The story is decent. Uh, we'll ignore that the MacGuffin has a daft name and that the dialogue for the two scientists makes them sound like a bickering married couple in a 70s sitcom. Delgado is positively on fire throughout. Definitely the best of the myths and the legends box set, although that might for some sound like a backhanded compliment. Mm. Thanks, Martin. Uh, Rob McCarnock Rob Rob says, a very fun, entertaining episode with the brilliant Roger Delgado. Very long, but worth watching 8.5. And lastly, Joseph Howarth says, it's not as bad as I thought it was going, going to be, but I still don't like this one. It's a good idea's... Um, but it's badly executed and ruined by poor writing and pathetically cheap production values, especially when it came to Atlantis itself. And did I mention that Ruth and Stu are annoying as hell? Um, I would recommend this story. No. Is it a great story? No. Does it have some good stuff? Yes. Just think it should have been better. Four out of ten. 
Four out of ten. Okay, and it's not it's not the master's last story. I've just while well, you've been reading out the comments, I've just been having a look because, um, yeah, I guess we are getting towards that. But yeah, he's in he's in the next series. He's in Frontier in Space. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. is he in the Green Death? I can't remember now. Uh, he is because he has, we have that cool scene with the bridge and hanging on the truck and. Is yeah. that the Green Death? Uh, I've got confused, but it's not his last story. He's definitely in the next series. So, um, yeah. Otherwise, we would have mentioned that stuff, I suppose. But, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm glad about that because the more Delgado, the better. Of course. Um, yeah. Anything yeah. on the Geeks handbag? Yeah, I had a couple. So uh, Patrick Sherwood says it's okay. It's not the best story, but he likes it for what it is. So he's going to give it an 8.5. Quite high, Patrick. Nope. Charlie Turner says easily one of the weakest in the Pertwee era, but it's oak. It's no Carnival of Monsters, he says, which he still doesn't like even after two viewings. <laughs> um, he says, I can see what the time monster is trying to do, but it just doesn't work for the most part. It's okay. So he gives it a 6 out of 10. And finally, Alex Kaffa Joe Glue says one of the weaker Pertwee stories, but underrated. I like it until it gets to Atlantis. Good scenes for Benton and Yates, which is nice. Benton is comic relief, uh, but the end of part three, when the unit convoy is bombed and a worried brigadier calls Yates Mike, oh sorry, calls Yates Mike, is quite moving. And uh, Alex gives it a six point five out of ten, the same yeah. as me. Okay. So you people, I think the general consensus. I know a lot of people don't like it, but. You know, there's quite a few there saying things like guilty pleasure and, you know, underrated, better than people say. And that's kind of where I am on it. So, yes, I agree with that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, thank you very much for all your comments, as always. Uh, next week for reviews, we're on to our Torchwood. On to Torchwood. Yeah. yeah. So what's, uh, what's the Torchwood story? So um, it'll be the first episode called oh, yeah. Everything Changes. Yeah. Everything ch- I'm so looking forward to this. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. I, I don't know when I last watched the first episode, but it was certainly a mighty long time ago. So, yeah, it's going to be good to, to crack into some Torchwood. Yeah. yeah, I've not watched any Torchwood in a while, you know. No, me I've neither. A long mate. while. No, yeah. no. So that's going to be good. So get your DVDs out. Yeah. Or your Blu-rays or your <laughs> Netflix or whatever it is you want to watch it on. Because we, we want to get your thoughts on this one for sure. Yeah. Uh, right. I think we'll do that, mate, for 183. Okie dokie. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us and listening through episode 183. Some really cool news and merch. If, you're, if you've got money to burn, get yourself over to that auction. It starts <laughs> beginning of May. Get that Hartnell script. Yeah. That'll be such a cool piece of merch to own, wouldn't it? But, oh, oh, I would man. love it. I'd love that on the shelf. I'd have to keep it in an airtight yeah glass container i think yeah absolutely yeah mm. um yeah and if you're into your mandrels then the robert harrop <laughs> upcoming figure might float your boat mm. um, but do take a look at the robert harrop there were some people that were asking about robert harrop on the discord server actually so go and check out the website see what's still available because it will sell out at some point we say this all the time yeah and then you'll be uh, yeah then yeah. you'll regret it yeah, yeah absolutely uh, next week, Torchwood, everything changes. Looking forward to watching through that and Me hearing too, your thoughts yeah. and stuff. But in the meantime, head over to our website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous shows on there. 
plus you can link off to all of our social accounts we do a lot of doctor who chattery chatty in between episodes so come and hang out and uh, chat who and all that stuff and you can also link off to the various podcast networks from there and you can give us a like and a subscribe and all that stuff and there's a big itunes button so get your iphone out or your mac or whatever or whatever you've got itunes on and give us a sub so you never miss a show when it lands every friday and if you are an itunes listener if you could spare a moment for a review and a rating that would be awesome because it really helps us and we had some great reviews that have landed in the last month so thank you very much we're up to 50 reviews on itunes now and they're all awesome so thank you so much it really helps yeah it's nice thank you remember to check out adam's channel the geeks the geeks do a search on youtube for adam's channel give him a sub really awesome videos over there you won't be disappointed no. you're also on uh, Twitter and Instagram all the social stuff you're on there all the you? social stuff yeah he's Insta. everywhere do like a bit of Insta yeah, a bit mm. of Insta yeah he's everywhere so next week for 184 we look forward to uh, seeing you then until then my name's Gary my name's Adam and remember <laughs> <laughs> uh...